0: those of you listening on MixLR, I apologize. Settings get played with every week here on Glenn Clark Radio where I come in on the batter round on Saturday mornings and things just aren't the way they were the last week. So it wasn't streaming to YouTube. So we're going to sk- do a take two. That's fine. Once again, Ryan Blake is here. <laughs> Paul Valley, Family Emergency. Did not, uh, wasn't able to make it in this morning. Ryan is here, as I said, the first time around. A lot more than he probably ever expected to be. He's gracious enough to be here again at last minute notice. Hopefully everything is working correctly on YouTube now. So, uh, look, sorry about that. Things don't always go perfectly. Uh, today is kind of a, a last minute thing. So, uh, I hope everything goes as planned. But, uh, I'm, still, I'm still getting texts that we're not underway here. So, I... We're going to have to figure something out. Um, But anyway, Ryan, uh, we were talking about last night's game. Uh, For those listeners on MixLR, we'll kind of pick up where we left off. Kyle Gibson um, wasn't what we wanted last night obviously only gave up four runs that's that's not a you know not the end of the world but certainly uh couldn't have could could have done a lot better especially in five innings against a team that's probably not going to win 60 games this year probably not going to win 50.
1: Yeah the line itself is fine you know four runs over five innings he didn't walk anybody he struck out six it wasn't a bad outing it's just one of those where you're up against the worst offense in baseball your team spots you five early runs and then a few more later on you, you want to come out and, and, and see a guy like Gibson, a veteran, settle in and, you know, save the bullpen a little bit. And, you know, five innings is fine. You, you, he, he said he said himself in his post-game interview that, you know, when he's in a situation like that against a not-so-good team and his offense is putting up runs, he, he he wants to get seven out of that. And he wasn't able to do that. He seemed a little disappointed in himself. Said he was going to go back and look at certain pitches that he could have executed better. You know, he, he gave up a lot of hard contact with with two strikes, which kind of leads you to believe he wasn't executing his pitches the way he wanted to. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's an outing that, you know, he would like to improve on. But overall, I, not bad. You just kind of want better in that circumstance.
0: You do want better in that circumstance. And, you know, they gave him, what, $11 million, $10 million? And you look at that and you go, it's a little much for what Kyle uh, Gibson has given you so far. But then again, they gave $3 million to the guy I just accidentally mentioned, Michael Gibbons. It doesn't look that bad of a signing. He's given you a lot of innings, and he certainly stayed healthy throughout the whole year. What do you think his role is down the stretch here? Are they going to keep him as a starter? Do you think that you know a guy like who who knows a guy could come up from AAA, make a make an appearance and pitch better than Kyle Gibson? I, he hasn't pitched very well to make me think that hey they're going to make him a starter all the way down through the playoff stretch. I what's your thoughts there? You know, I I, I don't know. I, I think I, I don't think his roster spot is in
1: jeopardy by any stretch. But I'm not convinced that he's going to be the guy they turn to, you know, game one of the ALDS. When if you had asked me a month ago, I would have said, yeah, based on, you know, who he is, his playoff experience, Kyle Gibson, probably your game one starter in the playoffs. But at this point, I'm not, I'm not so sure. Kyle Bradish has been excellent. Dean Kramer has been excellent. You know, you've got Tyler Wells, who's going to come back in, in likely a bullpen role. Cole Irvin has held down the fort in the rotation. Grayson Rodriguez has arrived and he looks absolutely legitimate. You know, it's 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 tough to, to figure that out when, you know, in the playoffs you're probably going to only have three, maybe four starting pitchers in your normal rotation. But I think Gibson has been huge this season, not only in terms of being an innings eater who has been able to save the bullpen in certain situations, but also I, I feel like I should be crediting him with a lot of the success of the young starters. He seems like an incredible clubhouse guy. He's very tight-knit with, with all these young guys that he's kind of – helping to season as as major league players and and i think i think that's a perfect role for him in terms of when and where he's going to pitch down the stretch i i think the jury's still out on that i don't think we'll know until we see maybe a september call up
0: and 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 what they're going to do in terms of the bullpen yeah, I think that's going to be one of the the big drivers here. And By the way, I, I'm still getting texts that we're not good, but we're good. Like I, I see it on YouTube. It's here. Uh, it's under Glenn Clark Radio when it's not. It has the PressBox title on it. I it, There's nothing more I can do here. So you can go to PressBox.com uh, and watch us there. We're, we're, we might just be audio only today. I'm not sure what the deal is. Things seem to be working perfectly on my end, so I, I, I'm i not sure what the problem is. But we are on audio only, so if you go over there and listen to us, that, that can be uh, your decision. Uh, Gibson wasn't great, as we just mentioned. Let's move on to Gunnar Henderson. Another huge home run last night. Pulls a breaking ball. Second deck. Looking like the Gunnar Henderson that was the number one overall prospect in baseball. He's been really good. His average is still around 240, which when I when I saw that last night going into that game, I was just kind of wondering how is that even possible because it seems like for the past four months he's been so hot so good and I'm I'm genuinely confused about how that's so low but the the power numbers are there 20 home runs now uh he's been driving in a ton of runs you know a consistent middle of the order bat which is I, I guess really what you can ask for uh from Gunnar Henderson and you know he's been probably better than you expected given that the first month was really rocky for him but last night again kind of gets the team going especially early on uh base hit in the first inning and then you know goes yard a couple innings later he's just been huge for the team and you know having that home run last night and and doing what he's been able to do over the past few weeks you know how important is Gunnar Henderson to this team right now what 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 would they be if Gunnar Henderson wasn't the guy right now because it seems like there aren't a lot of other guys who are having that kind of production. Especially lately. I
1: mean, I think, I think I saw that Gunner's batting average post-All-Star break was like under 200, which seemed crazy to me because it seems like he's been so good. But last night was excellent. Uh, base hit in the first inning off a lefty. He's been hitting lefties a little bit better as of late. But he's been huge. You know, Santander has been struggling a bit. Uh, Cedric Mullins hasn't really been himself. Austin Hayes has struggled since the All-Star break as well. And, you know, Brandon Hyde flip-flopped Gunner and Adley at the top of the lineup. have got, uh, Adley hitting leadoff now. Gunner hitting second, and so far it looks looks pretty good, especially with Adley's role as a leadoff hitter. He's been fantastic. But you know, Gunner, it it was both sides of the ball last night for me. He goes three for five, home run, three runs batted in, and his defense was spectacular as it always is, no doubt. And it looked his defense even at the beginning of the season looked like it was going to be a little suspect. You know, he.
0: That's true. And Stan had mentioned when he'd been on, you know, he's on every week, and he had mentioned quite a few times that. There had been issues with him tracking pop-ups. And I said a few weeks ago that I had noticed that as well. He looked just a little uncomfortable. And I started to feel like you know these past maybe month or so, he's been a lot better. A lot better in every facet of the defensive game. Yeah, he he really looks
1: solid defensively. And he's a guy that's been playing a lot more shortstop lately with with the struggles of Jorge Mateo and him not being a a regular anymore, which thank goodness for that. But uh, yeah, Gunnar's been great whether you put him at third or short you could throw him at second he he'd flash some leather over there but yeah gunner i mean he's just he's a presence on the field that i think other teams are really starting to take notice and say oh this guy is going to be a problem for quite some time because yeah. when you look at his yeah. prospect pedigree it was always it was always hitting in defense it was always both sides of the ball and then he comes up the defense is a little bit suspect right. he's not hitting for a good batting average for a, a good month and a half even two months into into may but it's it's all coming together for Gunnar Henderson and man it's beautiful
0: to watch yeah it is beautiful to watch Another number one overall prospect, Adley Rutschman, uh, who was was probably more hyped than Gunnar Henderson coming up. I I would argue that. Wouldn't you say Adley was a little more hyped? I think so. Yeah. hasn't hasn't quite lived up to maybe the power that we expected so far. But last night, um, you know, kind of showed why. I I thought he framed excellently last night. That's where I'm getting at here. I thought there were a lot of Kyle Gibson pitches, especially the one in the first inning. There was a sinker that uh, I believe was the first. It was the leadoff hitter. He threw a sinker, was a little bit high, and Rutschman pulled it back in and, and made it a strike. It was. Excellent. And that's what Adley Rutschman has consistently done in in the time that he's been here. He makes pitchers better. He's made Kyle Gibson probably a lot better. You look at the, again, as we talked about before, the transition of Gibson from Phillies Gibson to Orioles Gibson. It's been a lot better. And a lot of that could be because of Adley Rutschman. What do you think of him in this leadoff role? Are you still buying it? I mean, you just talked about how they flip-flopped them. I'm like, I'm kind of in the middle on it. Like, I, I don't love it. I don't hate it either
1: it's it's weird because i i loved Gunner as the leadoff hitter i think he settled in nicely to that role when Mullins was out for an extended period i i think adley it's still a little weird to me to see the catcher hitting leadoff it, it, it doesn't happen often you know we've seen it with with joe Mauer with the twins JT real Muto has done it for the Phillies it's it's a little strange to me i i yeah i did like Gunner at one and adley at two I thought that was what we're gonna see for the next decade but i don't know I, adley's been great as a leadoff hitter and, and on, yeah. on the defensive side of the ball, you know, it's, it's hard to quantify sometimes what a catcher means to his pitching staff. Right. I think we, we have seen the impact that he has made. But for a guy who has had, as a batter, who has had the most pitches out of the zone called strikes on him... He certainly seems to do the same a lot for for his uh,
0: right his battery mates. Yeah, he's just he's done a lot, and it, you know we talk about the Orioles having a complete turnaround last year when Adley Rutschman took over. They were they had a losing record and then a winning record from there on out when Adley Rutschman took over. He's made a big difference, and uh, you know it's it's been great to watch. And last night again, I, I feel like he had a really significant difference in them winning that game. But Gunnar Henderson again, probably the star here. Now Cedric Mullins, he's back uh, after his IL stint. Aaron Hicks is still on the I. L. It seems like it's kind of a day to day thing for Aaron Hicks right now. We we might see him back at some point soon. Um or, or did they bring him back off the IL? Am, am I incorrect? He
1: so Hicks is, is be, off the back, IL but yes. he
0: he tweaked he he tweaked something in his first game back Correct. And, and we hasn't only, appeared since then. Right. We only saw him for a few innings. So he's yeah. still almost more or less on the IL because might he's as well he, be. he, he's you're right. He's just back there uh, you know, sitting on the bench and not really providing anything at the moment. Do you agree with the the move of optioning Colton Kowser? I mean, it seemed like the move they had to kinda make, Ryan McKenna also back down.
1: Yeah, I I I don't love it, but I get it. You know, I think it was it was the right move in the sense that Kowser seemed uncomfortable in the bigs at this yeah. point. Yeah. And as much as I'd like to say, you know, let him figure it out in the majors, like they did when Adley wasn't hitting at first, like they did when yeah. Gunnar wasn't hitting at the beginning of this year. Ryan Mountcastle last year had a, a terrible April, and then there was talk about maybe optioning him, and then he turned on the Jets. I, I would have liked to see Kowser work it out at the big league level, but at the same time, when you're in a, pe- a pennant race, and you're yeah. two games up on the Tampa Bay Rays, and you're trying to close out a division championship, I I get wanting him to get
0: a little more seasoning down in the
1: minors, and right. hopefully he's able to come back up in September and make an impact. He had a home run yesterday for uh, yeah. for Norfolk.
0: Right. I think there's, and that was a big home run, by the way. He yeah. absolutely destroyed it. I, I think Colton Kowser is going through the same kind of thing that, like you mentioned, Gunnar Henderson was, and then Grayson Rodriguez did as well, where you come up and maybe things are just weighing a little heavily on you and you're not the guy you once were. Colton Kowser is going to be a major league player. Yeah. I, I'm extremely confident in that. I believe he's going to be a very good major league player. He looked lost, like you mentioned. He had no plate discipline, which is something that he hasn't had as much of as I as I thought. You know, when he came up first out of, uh, out of Sam Houston State and the Orioles drafted him fifth overall, I said, this is going to be one of the best plate coverage, plate discipline guys in the major leagues. And he really wasn't that. Struck out a lot in AAA, a lot more than I ever could have thought he would have. And then coming up, he kind of did the same thing. Paul and I noted a lot that he would chase the outside up and away pitches. He didn't really look comfortable at all. Things just didn't really work the way we expected it to. So when you're in the middle of a playoff race, it's it's probably the right move. Now, if Aaron Hicks is the right guy, I, I'm not so sure of that either. Right. I, I don't really buy it. I mean, you saw the, what, the first like three weeks, Aaron Hicks was unbelievable. He looked like 2017 Aaron Hicks, where he hit all those home runs, and he stole all those bases, and he was actually a very good player. And he was a great center fielder back then as well. Yeah. He hasn't been that guy since the first three weeks of Orioles baseball he played. And he's been more of the 210, 220 hitter. The guy is not going to get on base at a super high clip. He does take good at-bats. I'll give him that. Mm-hmm. But I don't really know what Aaron Hicks gives you either. Maybe he's a good veteran in the locker room. I, I don't know. Mu- I don't have the insight there. I can't tell you he's you know <laughs> yeah. doing incredible things there. But clearly, Brandon Hyde likes him. And that's I guess, works for something. It clearly works for Ryan McKenna. Uh, but I, I do think the Orioles are going to get something out of him at some point. I just don't know what.
1: Yeah, it's 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 hard to figure out, you know. He he definitely seems more comfortable over here than he was in New York, which I guess good on us, but yeah, I don't I don't know. He 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 was claimed off waivers and then or I guess I don't I don't even remember how we got him. Did we sign him as a free agent? Did he clear waiver? I don't he know. He was signed as a free agent. Yes. Okay. He was a so, major major league free agent. Cuz I know the Yankees DFA'd him and then uh the, and then the Orioles end up ended up getting him, but Yeah. You know, when when Mullins was out, right? They sign they signed him to replace Cedric Mullins. While Mullins was dealing with his groin injury was on the aisle. Correct. And during that time, Hicks was fantastic. He did exactly what the Orioles needed him to do. He exceeded any of our expectations. And then Mullins came back. Hicks' role was a little bit switched up, and he started to not hit as much. Right. And when that's the case, you know, it's, it's a shame to see. But at the same time, Mullins was back. So we didn't right. need that Hicks production. Mullins goes down again. Yes. Hicks becomes the guy again. And he, he hasn't done it the second time around. So yeah. I I don't I don't know what Hicks' role is going forward. I would like to see Colton Cowser back in the majors at some point. I would like to see Heston yeah. Kerstad in the majors at some point this season. And when that comes around, I'm not sure there's a role for Hicks.
0: We're gonna get to Heston Kerstad in Orioles Panther. We're we're gonna get there eventually. Yeah. Because Heston Kerstad, I think, is a really big conversation piece for what happens down the stretch with this team. You know, you saw the the Kevin Brown debacle, kind of. In a way, you know, I Paul and I talked about this in depth where we don't know if it really the, obviously the players hear about this. We don't know how much it weighs on them. We don't know how much it weighs for their owner to be chastised like it is right now in the media. And that seems to kind of have passed. And now you go on to a, a series in Oakland where you hope you can take a, a you know three wins and get out of there. That would be excellent for the Orioles to do. But I think you're you're looking at this team and you're saying, after what happened with Kevin Brown, after what happened with John Angelo not signing the lease, all of that, there was a bunch of bad Orioles media going around. It, the team is the chance to turn it around and make it about the team again. And right now they go out win nine, four last night. They have a chance to make it about the team again. And that's, you know, going to be a really big thing, especially as they start to come home in the next few weeks, play more home games. They've got to make this about the Baltimore Orioles being the best team in the American League and being the best team in the American League East, once again. That 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 was the story throughout the entire first few months of this team until John Angelos started doing John Angelos, and we started hearing about him more. But I think a guy like Cedric Mullins coming back, you saw the catch the other night, incredible catch, uh, and then you saw him hit at homer in the same game. He looks like the old Cedric Mullins, and that's going to be really big for them down the stretch. We talked about Adley Rutschman, of course, being the Adley Rutschman of usual, just doing what he does. We're going to get to the bullpen a little bit later, but I want to pose this question to you, and this is kind of, kind of, going to kind of lead into our orioles banter discussion. How concerned are you right now about what the Orioles bullpen looks like? How concerned are you about the health? How concerned are you about how much ammo they have in AAA to bring up and, and possibly reinforce? What are you thinking along these lines? Because I, I don't think it looks promising. I'll be honest. So I, the way
1: it looks right now, I'm not I'm not thrilled. With that being said, I think, you know, Dylan Tate's out of the equation now. Michael Gibbons out of the equation now. Yes. Deal Hall very much could be in the mix. John Means very much could be in the mix. Tyler Wells very much could be in the mix. One of the guys who's not going to be in the postseason rotation is going to be in the bullpen. Whether that's Kyle Gibson, yes, uh, Dean Kramer, who knows. Fuji is a little concerning. He, undoubtedly, you can, you can tell by his first three pitches of an outing whether or not it's going to be yeah. a disaster. <laughs> you, you absolutely
0: can. You absolutely can.
1: And so, but when he's on, he is disgusting. Mm-hmm. Jacob Webb looks like an awesome pickup at this point. Yes, Yenir Cano. Has not been quite the same, but yeah. has looked a little bit better as of late after a stretch where he had like a 340 opponent batting average over a couple months. What do you
0: make of him pitching last night? Is that a doghouse move by Brandon Hyde or is that what, what I don't is know. that? I didn't it, think much of it to be honest, but it it, yeah. it could be. I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's a little weird using the guy that you've used as your setup guy in mop up role not really mop up role, I don't think that's the word for it, but you're, yeah. you're ahead five runs
1: yeah it's a little it's a little weird didn't they use Webb in the eighth too
0: though uh I believe they did but also Webb is it's early on for him he just you know just made his first few appearances they probably don't want to throw him into a situation that's going to be incredibly tough for him so far but then again I you know I don't know I I think that's a little bit of an odd move to see Cano out there in that late in a game against the Oakland A's when you're up by five runs yeah like, like I said I didn't think much of it at the time but now
1: that you say it yeah it does it does seem a little weird but um you know look Mike Bauman is is kind of hit or miss as well. I think overall he's put together the type of year that gives you confidence in him going forward, but yes. this is his first true test that. out of the bullpen, I and he has that. been put in some bigger spots. Sino uh, Perez, I was clamoring for his DFA for several months this year. He's yes. looked fantastic lately. Yeah. So in terms of the bullpen, like, look, you don't know what you're going to get on any given night. You don't know if a guy's going to have it or not. But I think that when you're starting to put together – what the bullpen is going to look like in the postseason, I think there are going to be two or three more guys who are not currently pitching out of the bullpen, right. who are going to make an impact, going to be able to give you a little bit of length if your starter starts to struggle early. Yep. You could bring in a D.L. Hall or a John Means for three or four innings. You could do the same with Tyler Wells. And Wells, in his career, has been awesome out of the bullpen. So as, as weird as it looks right now, it doesn't look like a postseason bullpen. I think come postseason time, it very much could.
0: Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. And by the way, Ryan, we have to get Stan the Fan Charles on the line. So you're going to tell us, uh, as I throw this paper to you right here, about the latest edition of PressBox. I'm going to get Stan the Fan Charles on the line. I would be happy to tell you about the latest edition of Press Box, which is available
1: now. On the cover, Bo Smolka dives into what's next for Lamar Jackson after receiving one of the biggest contracts in football history. Is he ready to take the Ravens to the next level with a new offensive coordinator and new wide receivers? Also inside, we look at what new football coaches Brian Newberry and Pete Shinnick bring to Navy and Towson, respectively. And we meet players from the college football and soccer programs around the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com.
0: As I pr- uh, thank you, Ryan. Appreciate that. As I promised, we have Stan the fan Charles on the line. Stan, good morning. How are you?
2: Good. How you doing?
0: Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. As I mentioned to you uh, off air, we have Ryan Blake in with us today. Paul had a family emergency, so Ryan is gracious enough to sit okay. in with us. So uh, you guys are, I-, I believe, familiar with each other. You've done this a few times.
2: How you doing, guys?
0: Stan, we were just talking about the bullpen. Uh, it's a pretty interesting thing right now. The Orioles, were a little, both a little worried about them running out of gas at the end of the day, given that they don't have a ton of reinforcements. Jacob Webb comes in. He's looked pretty good. What's your early take on Jacob Webb so far?
2: Uh, I like him. I had him earlier in the season on, uh, on my fantasy team. Uh, picked him up one week and had him for about three weeks and liked most of what I saw. But the Angels weren't really that good, and yeah, I, yeah. I got rid of them. Uh, I think he's, I think he's a very solid pickup, uh, much more consistent than Brian Baker. You know,
0: that's for sure. That's
2: it, for it, to me was definitely the the weakest link. You know, again, I've made this point a few times. Brian Baker was was a, a serviceable major league pitcher. Yes. on a team that was rebuilding. But, when you really need to win games to win a division to win series, and you know the whole the whole enchilada, sure he just wasn't up to up the speed i it, it will remain to be seen whether Jacob Webb is, but I think yeah. he's a yeah. much more solid guy than than Baker, and that was sort of the place that I think he fits, and he may in fact end up moving you know just under Cano. So um, you know, sure. because Bauman now has is is fading from my circle of
0: trust. Well, I, where where is Cano in your circle of trust then? Because you see him pitch in the eighth inning, last or ninth inning, excuse me, last night. A guy that you probably don't expect to see out there is he in Brandon Hyde's doghouse. What's going on with that? Ryan and I were a little bit confused. You know, we didn't maybe think so much of it, but when you look back at it, it's a little odd to see Cano out there.
2: Um. I didn't think it was odd last night. I thought it was the perfect opportunity with okay. a significant lead. There was not a save opportunity where there was a crisis. Um and I think what you saw was what you would get if he had that much rest, you know. Uh, he I think he was pitching a four days rest there. Yes. Yeah. And his stuff played his stuff played a lot more electric last night to me. I mean it had a lot more movement. I'm not saying we've got the luxury of giving them four days off, but I think he was he was in that overused pool uh, you know, that Brandon had gotten very no doubt. No doubt. comfortable with him and maybe a little too much so to the point that he's he's overused. But then again, yeah. remember that after Cano was Baker and Bauman yeah. really. And and Perez also really has chosen the right time to come back and pitch. Now, again, we were facing the Oakland A's last night, okay? (laughs) But but the Oakland A's have beaten a few teams recently with some late comebacks.
3: Yep, no doubt.
2: (laughs) I thought Perez looked – I thought Perez – I thought the three of them last night gave us a good reason to believe that this bullpen can hold up, and it should only get a little stronger with a return eventually, you know, in the next week or ten days of probably Tyler Wells.
0: Stan, I mentioned this to Ryan earlier in the show, but I thought Adley Rutschman had a really good game overall last night. You, I, I saw him frame pitches better than I've seen him frame pitches in a while. Uh, you know, had had a base hit. There's some things I thought that Adley Rutschman did last night that were were really good. Um, you know, how much does Adley Rutschman mean to this team right now, and and how much can he really get hot down the stretch to really propel this team into the playoffs? Now, his, his average is down under 270. What can he do to make this team that much better?
2: Yeah, I mean he's. Look, he's facing, I mean, he's a young guy, so it's not like, uh, you know, classic fatigue. But he's probably hit a a bit of a wall. Uh, Although, you know, I don't know how many games these kids played in college and then went right on to things like the Cape Cod League. So I don't know how how many seasons he's played 150, 160 games, you know. But there was definitely some fatigue in his game I'd say yep, uh
3: that no exposed doubt. him a
2: little bit. And that's with Brandon being very careful at at how he uses him, you know, yep. and and I think it was a really good decision to go out and acquire James McCann sure. who I think we've gotten the, the full scope of watching him all year. He's a really solid number two catcher, you know. There's probably yep. not a better number two catcher you know, in the game. Maybe that kid, uh, uh, Austin Barnes on the Dodgers sure. is pretty darn good too. But, uh, um, you know, Brandon has had the luxury. I think he's, I think he's played him at DH like 50 games, I think this yeah. year, or something yeah. like that. So that's going to keep him fresh. And his numbers, actually, offensive numbers are better when he, uh, DHs. Right. So, uh, the catching thing does take something out of players. Yep. Um, but last night, I agree, I thought he had an excellent game, took that extra base, Yep. Uh, you know, right in front of the left fielder, I uh, guess, m- guess he must have read the scouting report that Kemp is a little slow mechanically, and his arm isn't that strong, Yeah, and he took the extra base, made that really nice foul pop catch in, uh, I think, the seventh inning. Uh, and uh, he, he played a real nice game last
0: night. On base four times, you can't complain. Uh, Drew a walk nope. like he, he usually does, so you cannot complain about that at all. Now Stan, you mentioned James McCann, and it seems like James McCann has been one of the better hitters uh, since the All-Star break in the Major Leagues, and that's actually true. With a minimum of 20 at-bats, he's up there at the top with uh, WRC+. plus. James McCann, is he actually going to get legitimate playing time where he's not just a backup catcher and he can actually be in the lineup as a, a piece of force?
2: Well, I think you know, and I think there are things and this is no knock at, at Adley as a catcher. I think there are things that Brandon really likes and you don't you don't hear any grumbling from pitchers about working with him. Uh, his his arm strength may actually be better at throwing throwing out runners, I think than Adley's. Yeah. Um but but I think if there one area I think the Orioles need to improve for next year, and it's pretty tough to do it in the middle of the season is they have got to get better at, uh, and Cano and Batista are probably the two biggest, uh, you know, um, uh, guys that, that really need to work on holding runners a little bit. And I know in this day and age, it's hard because you can only throw over twice before you get called for a balk if you don't throw the guy out. Uh, so it's a little tougher than it used to be, but they, they, Too many times we see a guy steal second easily and then see them steal third even easier. Right. Uh, So uh, I think that we need to fortify that defensive uh, part of the game.
0: I I, I would agree. Uh, But, Stan, let's talk about Kyle Gibson for a second just to to – end our pitching discussion a little bit here with the guy that gave up four runs last night, gave up nine runs his last time out, but he did throw seven innings of three-run ball just three starts ago. He does have 13 quality starts. Uh, he has as many starts allowing four-plus runs as allowing uh, less than two runs, which that that's 10 He's been good in a lot of spaces, and, and Ryan and I talked about it. I, I think for $11 million, he's been a little bit better than we all could have expected. It was kind of a, a little bit of a weird thing when they signed him, because they got rid of Jordan Lyles, and we thought, hey, this might be the same guy. Are you seeing Kyle Gibson start to turn into the bad Kyle Gibson after two outings in a row that just weren't really the way we uh, wanted them to go?
2: Uh, you know, that's a that's a really good question, Um uh, you know I've never quite understood his career and again, I hate to always pull out of my at the fantasy baseball thing. I've loved Kyle Gibson since he was a prospect, and he's always tempted and teased and you know he's he's been more more sour than good uh but i got to tell you, I think on this team he works he really works um
3: okay
2: i find, i found him to be i used to stand. Uh, I don't go to the locker room a lot. I don't try and befriend players. Never have. Um, usually wait until their careers are over when I can sort of <laughs> see myself as a friend. Sure. But I used to sit at the lo- stand at the locker when we interview Jordan Wiles at the end of games last year. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know what the hell he ever said. Uh, yeah. He was would talk in circles. And he would like never end his comment. Uh I have found Kyle Gibson to be one of the more thoughtful uh players that I've talked to in many a season. Uh yeah. I really, really like him. Uh so that makes it less likely I want to criticize him. Obviously there's parts of his game where he's inconsistent. I'm gonna i I'm gonna talk it off that you're gonna get some some bad Kyle Gibson over the course of 30 starts. But uh, I think the club is pretty lucky to have him. And while on the face of it, he doesn't match up particularly well if we if we were playing uh, against a Tyler Glass now or no. a Garrett Cole in the playoffs. There's something about him I still like and feel confident with him. Uh, his durability is not particularly fantastic in a given game, but he hasn't missed a start yet this year, and there's something to that. And I think he's been a good
4: leader for the
2: young pitchers on this staff.
0: Stan, how likely, though, is it that if Gibson keeps turning in some bad starts, regardless of his leadership, regardless of everything he does off the field, is it possible we can see him in a bullpen role and Cole Irvin ends up becoming more of that starter and, and that guy who can actually help him down the stretch in the playoffs? We saw Cole Irvin go out there last time, throw five innings. Uh, got He got the win against uh, a Seattle team that's not definitely a pretty good offense, a lot of good hitters on that team. They won one nothing. Where are you feeling about that? Could Kyle Gibson go to the bullpen? Cole Irvin takes that spot.
2: I don't see that happening this year, uh... No, I don't. I don't see that happening. I'm just happy that Cole Irvin has. I, I'll be honest with you. I, you know, I've watched many general manager. There, there was a certain panic about what they did with Cole Irvin, where where Cole Irvin was sort of allowed to go out and talk to the press the night he was being sent down. That they yeah. were
3: conferring yeah. back
2: in the in the office and he was talking about how he, you know, he felt he he'd made some advances and he looked forward to his next start. Yep. And then you get home, and you hear that he's been optioned out to the minor leagues. Right. And it was almost like like Mike Elias. was. I, I almost felt like he was embarrassed by the trade in some way, shape, or form. And they went, geez, we didn't realize he was this bad. And... I've watched Cole Irvin pitch for a couple of years. He doesn't light up a radar gun, and he's he's not a dominant pitcher, but I thought he was a, a more than serviceable starter, and with the improved defense and the left field wall, I thought he was going to pitch well as an Oriole. I agree. And it, it's almost like they short-circuited his season, and um, I think they – whether they came around out of need, yeah. out of necessity. But he's clearly back in the good graces of the organization right now. But I think thinking he would be used in the in kind of the number one, two, or three role, I don't see it this year.
0: So it's interesting you mentioned that trade because it looked like an okay trade at the time. Daryl Hernandez was probably never going to play as an Oriole given the fact that they have Jackson Holliday, Gunnar Henderson, you know the rest. Right. But you look at Daryl Hernandez and what he's done in the minors, and he's looking at a call up right now. He's looking at a major league call up. Between Double A AA and Triple A, he's slashing 340, 399, 496. He's already hit eight home runs. He's stolen 12 bases. He's already walked 37 times, and OPS of all was 900. The numbers are really, really good for an Oakland yeah. team that uh, needs guy, really every guy they can get at this point. They've already called up a lot of their top prospects early on in the season. Does this look worse to you now that you see Daryl Hernays being as good as he has?
2: Well, I I never disliked Hernays or thought he was uh, you know you know with with Irvin what you got was also a guy that you have a couple of years of control of yes yeah which I think is very valuable and I think Definitely. he'll slot in I think he'll slot in as long as he finishes the season on a kind of an up note. I think he figures to be here for another couple of years. So I don't think that I don't have that chalked off as a bad trade. Okay. Uh, both sides should win. And I think her if we didn't have Jackson holiday, I don't think they make that trade, you know, I, yeah, even with true. in front of them and Henderson in front of them. I'm not sure they make that trade, but they had so many middle infield prospects. I think they were comfortable saying, Hey, we may be giving up the better talent, but we got some, you know, in other words, Cole Irvin next year will probably make, am I right, Zach, um, like $3 million this year next year?
0: It, won't, it won't be much, no. Yeah, it won't be much.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, he's very affordable. Yep. He's proven to be a really good soldier. I mean, you could have seen a guy really pout. He's he's handled this with a great deal of grace and humility. Um I think he scores a lot of points as a teammate. I think he's been really uh, another good addition to the team.
0: I think so too. It it seems
2: like we we talked. I'd love, in other words, uh, most people we'd we'd leave it there. I'd love to talk to Mike Elias and say, what the what the heck happened? Why were you so down on him as a talent, or or was it something you specific you wanted him to work on down there? Uh, he's never knocked the fact that they sent him down there, you know. No. Um, so he's, uh, he's, he's, he's good to me. I, I like him. I filled in
0: on GCR about two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago, and we talked to Colt mm-hmm. Rubin, he seemed like a genuine, very good guy, very good clubhouse guy, and seems like someone who could lead the, the young guys along and, and certainly mentor a lot of young pitchers. And maybe he's done a lot for Grayson Rodriguez. Ryan has a question for you. Uh, more
1: more yep. of a, more of a comment, actually. You know, I I, I love Daryl Hernandez. I think he, he's he's going to be a good ball player. The fact of the yep. matter is, he was blocked here, and the Orioles need a yep. Cole Irvin more than they needed Daryl Hernandez at this point. And don't forget, the Orioles also acquired a six-seven right-handed pitcher who is holding his own right now in Aberdeen. So uh, another guy. Who, I forgot who could about
2: remember. that. What's his name again?
1: Ty- I forgot. Kyle Verbitsky.
2: That's right. He's, That's
1: right. He's yeah. 24 years old, so a, a little right. old for he Aberdeen, made, but. He
2: made that trade. That's. The- was the one who made that trade
1: palatable for Elias? Yeah. knew he yes. was
2: giving up a better. I'd forgotten about him.
0: Yeah, okay, yeah. That seems like that could be a, a an add in, and and probably for the Orioles, that was more of a the headliner of the deal. And Cole, Cole Irvin, excuse me, is probably the guy that can you know throw innings and eat innings, and that's what they expected out of him. And that's kind of what he's done. Sure. And, and like you said, yeah. said Stan, they they sent him down kind of early in the season, probably for a reason that we will never really know uh, to figure something yeah. out. And he went down quickly, came back up, and he's looked a lot better. So that, that's that's a good thing for the Orioles. Now, Stan, I want to talk about the outfield, specifically Austin Hayes, Anthony Santander. Hayes made the All-Star team. Since then, he's been pretty abysmal. We saw a catch a few weeks ago uh, that was in, in Toronto that saved the game, and he was looked like... One of the best catches we've seen all year, but the offense certainly hasn't been there for Austin Hayes. And Santander has been arguably worse in the second half. We we've seen him really fall off there. So, what's your take on the outfield? And you have guys like Heston Kerstad waiting in the wings. Colton Cowser's down there as well. Hit a massive home run last night. What's your take on the on the outfield right now, specifically the corners?
2: It's really it's really interesting. You're, you're asking about the outfielders, but it leads me back to. If if a month ago we were talking about the most disappointing guy, it would have been Ryan Moundcastle. Yeah, for the whole season, uh, and now suddenly you're saying, wait a minute, is this the real Moundcastle, or is is what we saw? You know, I really question now whether he was playing, playing. Even though you know I haven't been his biggest fan all along, I I've no. never really jumped out and barked about him because his power really did play. His his pitch selection though is just absolutely terrible. What his swing decisions? Yeah. Um, but but getting back to those outfielders. So now I don't know. Again, Austin Hayes has been a player that has kind of like what I said about Kyle Gibson. He's teased. Yep. You know, I thought he had finally gotten to the mountaintop this year.
3: You know that hey,
2: yeah. he's got his confidence. His game's fully assured of himself as a major leaguer and then from the time he hit he was hitting three twenty seven and I believe for right. one or two days was leading the American league in hitting. I think he's hit about two oh two since then. Right. Uh which has been about six six weeks. Again it seems to have started with a small injury, uh but it seems like it's always something that drops him down a couple pegs, you know.
3: Yeah, no. It, uh, that, think seems at to the, the end case. of the
2: day, I think he's probably at most like a two sixty 260 to two sixty five. Yeah, seventeen home runs, sixty five seventy RBIs. He's not, you know, plays a good defense. I think his base running instincts are terrible. I think he's a terrible
3: base runner.
0: Yeah, uh,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: I, I I I agree with all that. And then you look at Jorge Mateo still being on this team. He's you know still, still there for, for whatever reason. And, and once in a while, um, he does things that uh, are, are great. I mean, you look at Jorge Mateo, he'll, he'll get on and he'll, he'll steal two bases and he'll, he'll score a run. There's some things that have gone really well for him, and, but most things have gone really badly lately. Do you expect for any chance that Jorge Mateo is on this playoff roster?
2: I, I still think there's a good chance he's on the playoff roster. Um, I think he's a he's a weapon in a really close game. Uh, we saw that that slide that he made the other night was that against was that against Seattle? I believe the so. Slide home, yeah. Um, he just look his days as a, a first stringer are clearly over. Yeah. <laughs> but I think club has been. I think the club has been smart. Not to overreact to to you know how bad his offense is because he does bring some other things to the table. So unfortunate. Yeah. I think he got caught up as soon as he became a utility guy. Maybe there's something mentally he needs to address about sure. himself because his defense that double clutch in Philadelphia. The miss. There was a missed ball one day that he could he could have made and the plays that he's muffed defensively, at yeah. Stewart, I think were plays that if he was playing every day, he wouldn't have muffed those plays, you know. Um so you know, he's got he's gotta understand his role. Yeah. I do have to question a night that uh, I didn't make a big deal of it, but when Brandon kept him in center and had McKenna in the game and right. Yeah. I probably would have had McKenna in center field just because of the lack of experience. And Brandon, while Brandon's never going to criticize a player publicly, he, he made the point and I'm not sure that he's right, but he said, there's not, there's not too many players that even get to that ball. The one that, you know, he sort of leap for when I don't even think he had to leap for, you know, I think the athleticism gave him the, the positioning to to make a rather easy play and he complicated it by jumping you know
1: stan i have a question for you and it's it's more of a i don't know the answer to this type of question um that game that's a decision that i was questioning as well um brandon hyde had been ejected earlier in that game freddie gonzalez taken over as the coach is brandon hyde in those situations still giving input from the clubhouse or was that freddie gonzalez's call to leave mateo in center field?
2: That's a that's a great question. I I believe that Brandon still is is running the team. You okay. know.
1: Yeah, because that, that was I don't, an know that
2: there's, I don't know that there's some type of uh provision uh, that's a good question to ask Brandon sometimes, it's really thoughtful of you to ask because I've never really uh, <laughs> pinned anybody down on it. But I would imagine in this day and age he's back in his office and he might text uh text Freddie. Yeah. You know, like say, Hey, uh yeah. yeah, no, leave Mateo out there or switch switch them or something like that. But it's possible that if, if
3: he's not allowed
2: to make those kind of uh, things
4: and I have a hard
2: time believing that he doesn't, yeah. uh that um that uh, maybe it was an oversight by Freddie. But I to me and I and I don't love I don't I don't think McKenna's a great center fielder, but I think he would have made that play
3: that night.
0: Well, Stan, you have to assume at this point with Aaron Hicks now off the injured list, but as Ryan and I said, not really off the injured list. He's, he's yeah, still right. kind of sitting on the bench doing nothing. But Cedric Mullins is legitimately back off the injured list. You have to imagine the Jorge Mateo center field situation is just over with. And that experience probably not going to last much more. I it, it, He made a, a, a botch in center field, and I think that was kind of the end of it. I, I would hope that's the end of it.
2: I think it, I think the timing of it was more that Mullins came, Mullins and Hicks were right there, ready to play again. Um, I, I think they're looking for versatility. You know, if you're in the playoffs and all of a sudden Mullins has re-injures that abductor, you know, I think you'd like to have the options of who you're going to put out there. Uh, and I think I think he, he botched that ball. There's no question about it. But yeah. you know, I don't. I don't see it impossible, given an injury, that he could be out there again right. at a key moment. Right. Well,
0: let, let, let's hope that doesn't happen. I. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. uh yep. Too excited for that. And, Stan, one last outfield question for you before we let you go. Aaron Hicks, as we mentioned, w- I, I don't see him bringing a ton to this team. Ryan and I talked about it a little bit in depth before this the segment, but. You know, he kind of is still on the injured list. He hasn't really played. He said it's kind of a day-to-day thing. That's what Rock wrote in his Mass and Sports article this morning. Mm-hmm. Where are you with him? Do you have any hope that Aaron Hicks can be the guy he was for the first three weeks?
2: Um, I, just think, I just think the idea that all of a sudden they're going to... Now, look, I don't know the nature of his injury this time, how serious it is. This is, I think, what frustrated Yankee fans about Aaron Hicks. wasn't just that he wasn't producing. See, in Baltimore, we don't say, well, he didn't produce anything. He played, he, he added a, a good bit to the offense. So I think he, one of the things I loved about him and really didn't know about his game as much was how how well he controlled the strike zone. You know, in other words, he made pitchers throw right. 7 Eight, nine pitches. That's something I like. Um, But they've got to make a determination whether he's going to be able to come get to the post, so to speak, uh, because you can't make the club from the tub. Um, And I don't know. But I think the notion that they're suddenly going to say, hey, let's give uh, Heston Kirsch that, I don't think that's going to happen this year. It doesn't look to me like it's going to happen. I mean, yeah. it might happen in September, uh, and then, and then if he's on the forty-man roster, I guess if there is a genuine injury, yeah. and Hicks would get hurt, he could factor into it.
3: Maybe. But
2: I think they're really, I think they're thrilled with where Kerstad is. Herstad is at now, and and might be thinking, hey, that's great, uh, and he'll get, he'll. Play a serious role next year, yeah. but to throw them in right now might be a little much. But certainly a September first uh, recall uh, might might factor in. Yeah. Okay,
0: okay, yeah, that that's that's certainly a possibility. Stan, what do you have coming up this week on your shows?
2: Uh, Monday, uh, last Monday we had T Bone Shelby on, and we did it at the normal seven o'clock time. Okay, our new normal time is four o'clock. For nights like Monday, where where Luke and I can get to games if we need to, so Luke, Ross, and I'll bat around the Orioles on uh, Monday night at uh, Monday at four, and then on Thursday at seven, I will have Mister Bo Smolka on to talk about the cover story, uh, a lot of the same stuff he talked to Glenn and I about yesterday, uh, but we'll talk to Bo Smolka. Uh, Ravens
0: reporter. Sounds great. That should be interesting. I hope to to talk a little Ravens with Ryan at the end of the show here. But Stan, thank you so much as always for your weekly segment. Uh, We'll talk to you next week.
2: All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Stan. Stan.
0: And that was Stan the Fan Charles for his weekly segment. As you already heard, he has some great things coming up for you this week. He's changed up the format, though, for his weekly shows. Now, every Monday at 4 p.m., Stan will be joined by former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley and Press Box's manager, managing editor Luke Jackson to break down the latest with the Birds. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein will chat with a new newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross were joined by 1983 World Series champion John T-Bone Shelby. While Stan and Gary chatted with Marilyn Cycling Classic Chairman John Kelly. You can watch the shows live at facebook.com/pressbox or find them the next day at pressboxonline.com/video and youtube.com/pressboxonline. So join Stan, Ross, and Luke this and every Monday night. This week, Thursday, as Stan just mentioned, at 7 p.m. Bo Smolko will be on to talk about the Ravens and what they have going on. We're gonna catch a break. Uh, I'm gonna to try to get some of our tech issues figured out. Gonna give Griffin from uh, Glenn Clark Radio a call and see why it still says Glenn Clark Radio when that's not what I have put up here on my end. So we'll figure that out, and we'll be back with sounding off on the bad round.
5: You feel that? That's the sound of football coming back, and now's the time to place your preseason bets with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in Vegas, and now you can use my promo code, GlennClark23, to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they'll match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code GlennClark23. All one word, no spaces, two N's and Glenn. Don't miss out this football season. Win some money with Superbook sports and that promo code glennclark23 visit superbook.com for terms and conditions gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER
6: Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. It's the return of Grateful Dead Night on Friday the 18th. A special t-shirt package is available. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday the 19th with our Baytoberfest. Get some beer specials while you enjoy the game. And get here early on Sunday for a pregame meet-the-team autograph session. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox. Let us be your nine-inning
7: vacation. I'm Michael Jan Grandy, president of of AJ Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at AJMichaels.com. That's AJMichaels.com.
8: It's game on every day at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Here, you are in on every play with 100-foot screens at Sports and Social, the best table games action, and FanDuel Sportsbook all just steps away. The best bar bites and drinks to indulge in steaks and curated cocktails. Your game day only gets better when matched up with Live's distinguished dining options. Late game? No problem. Our luxury hotel awaits. Live Casino and Hotel Maryland is the place to be on game day and every day. For more information, visit www.maryland.livecasino. At Arundel Mills. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER.
7: Make the most out of every day in your
8: Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models, a RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Hike to new heights. The best view is yours
5: in Washington County. Our iconic scenic overlooks provide some of the most breathtaking vistas in the Mid-Atlantic. Some are very easy walks, some can be driven to, and some are the payoff for a moderate to difficult hike. All are near quaint small towns that offer great dining, shopping, hiking gear, and more. Explore our five national parks for iconic vistas and wineries with breathtaking views. Visit our quaint historic towns and make your stay unforgettable. Learn more at visithagerstown.com. Maryland, be open.
4: That first sip. That first bite. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms, choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Picking a restaurant to try
7: for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food, Check. Quality of service, check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, forty one hundred North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes.
0: Welcome back in to the Bat Around from break one here almost in the second hour. Now, we just had Stan the Fan Charles for his weekly segment at 1025. Ryan Blake is here with us, as we've uh, mentioned quite a few times now on this show. Uh, the tech issues, I called Griffin from Glenn Clark Radio, and he said that they messed around with it yesterday. And that's probably why things aren't working exactly as they should, but not a big deal. People are here, you can find us on uh, the audio on PressBox.com, and then, obviously, it, we are streaming on YouTube, just under the wrong name for for some variety of reasons. But anyway, we are live and things are going okay here. Ryan will be with us for the entire second hour as well, as he was supposed to be. We're going to do Orioles Banter, we're going to do Sounding Off, where I want to talk about a team that I've talked about quite a few times already on this show, and I get really frustrated by them, because I think they're probably, I, I would argue, a bottom five run team in baseball i I don't like the way they're run and it's because of the way they've drafted they were the team that took what 20 pitchers it was just two years ago yeah they they uh, took a no hitter in the the draft (laughs) They, they took a no hitter in the draft they've done things that make absolutely no sense all in the name of fake winning is what i like to call it it's fake winning they go out there and they they do things that make absolutely no sense to try to win when they can't and they've done that again noah shawnawell and that's that's how uh they pronounced it on this minor league, I, I believe that's how they pronounce it. Am I correct, Ryan? Shanoel. Shanoel. Um, there you go. Noah Sh- Shanoel um, is their number one overall pick. Uh, this this uh, past draft in 2023, their, their first round pick, who I sounded off on about two or three weeks ago because they brought him up to double a and i said this is ridiculous he played six games in anything lower than double a uh, it was a combination of i think the uh one of the rookie ball leagues and then a plus i believe it was and then came up to double a and i said that's ridiculous you you gotta let this guy mature he's from florida atlantic university which isn't like a baseball haven it isn't a baseball producing factor where every year there's guys coming out that are like bryce harper it just doesn't happen this this isn't one of those schools it's a good school no doubt but he and 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 just to give him a little credit, Noah was one of the best hitters in this draft. Um, I, I don't know how much research you did on it, but I, it wasn't certainly not my area, uh, this, the, the top of the draft this year. But Shanoel uh, was one of the better hitters as, as I've read. And they expected him to be almost a major league level hitter uh, out of college. But so did the Orioles with Adley Rutschman and, and Bryce Harper and all the other guys that have been really, really good hitters out of the draft. Spencer Torkelson was another guy, number one overall pick, who was expected to be a really good hitter at, right at the get-go, uh, right out of the draft. Uh, so look, you know, they brought him up to Double A, and now he's in the major leagues. He played 21 games, 21 games. In the minor leagues, uh, that's the least in 45 years, I believe I read. Uh, that, which is interesting, because. I I don't know where that stat came from. But it was, there was there was a 45 year stat it, and about guys making the major leagues basically right out of college. So yeah. 21 games in the minor leagues. He barely has played any. And he was he was being very successful. He was hitting high 300s, close to 400. He was he was really good and and the on-base percentage was excellent. And he's going to hit for a good amount of power, I think. Good good, you know, great swing, great plate discipline, knowledge of the zone. But regardless of how Noah plays, and regardless of his career, and how everything goes with him, that's not my concern in in the sounding off segment. My concern is that the Angels are being completely irresponsible with their prospects. That's my concern. I I think the Angels have done this to a number of guys. You look at uh, their shortstop. You look at a number of... uh, There was a pitcher as well um, who came up just recently after only 88 innings pitched in the minor leagues they haven't been necessarily responsible at the way they've handled these prospects. And I look at, if you're Noah, and you're sitting there and you're saying, okay, great, I'm in the major leagues. You know, like, this is amazing. I'm, I'm here after 21 games. But did I get screwed? Like it, it, did did he get screwed? He he got screwed out of his development. He got screwed out of actually having major minor league plate appearances to kind of figure things out and get adapted to what pro ball looks like and now he's already in the major leagues. And certainly it's worked out for some guys. You look at Alex Rodriguez, uh, spent very little time in the major leagues and became, you know, as a 19-year-old major leaguer and one of the greatest players in history regardless of, you know, the steroids and and everything he did. But there's guys it certainly worked for. But I think regardless of all of that, this is horrible and irresponsible management by the Angels.
1: this is this is what they do. You know? Uh they they call up guys way too fast. Uh they did it with, with Reed Detmers. They did it with uh the I think the guy you were thinking of recently is Ben Joyce. The, yes, the, the yes. flamethrower out, ben Joyce. Of, out of Tennessee. Uh, the first player But also ma- Zach
0: Neto is another one that, yeah, that I was so, trying to think of.
1: So the first player from, from each of the last three drafts to make their MLB debuts were Angels. This year it was Nolan Shanuel. last year Zach Neto, the year before that it was Chase Silseth. So this is this is what they do. They have a track record of doing this, and it's it's kind of mind boggling. You know, you you you'll read things online from from people who have been involved with different organizations who are not afraid to talk about these organizations and how they're run and the the Angels are consistently mentioned as one that just, it, it's like they have no, they, they draft a guy, they really like the guy, and they're like, we want him on the Angels. We don't want him on the the Rocket City Trash Pandas right now. We, we want him on the <laughs> Los Angeles Angels. And this guy was in, in he was drafted six weeks ago. Six and, weeks ago. And yesterday, he, he was batting ahead of Shohei Otani. Batting off Batting leadoff. Batting leadoff with, off. with the greatest baseball player of all time hitting right behind him. Correct. It's I, I don't look he he went one for four I think he walked he, he walked as well Reach yeah. base twice he he's gonna be okay but don't you want them to have a little bit of seasoning as they they increase levels I mean it's it's yeah
0: it's it's crazy mind-boggling is a good word for it because there's not really a lot to explain this you look at the track records of guys who have come up this early and they're not great and they're generally not in the past. 20-30 years. So the stat I found, 45 years. He's the first position player to spend that little games in the minor leagues to come up in 45 years. That That's what it is. It, it's the fastest anyone's done it in 45 years. So Obviously, we've seen Ben Joyce. I think Ben Joyce might have done a little faster. I believe it wasn't much time at all. They brought him up into relief role really quick, and then uh, Garrett Crochet on the White Sox came up with zero minor league games played. And the White Sox immediately got him injured, and he spent yeah. a year. He spent a year on the injured list with Tommy John, and maybe uh, maybe a little more than a year. So things didn't go exactly great there. I think he would have had Tommy John either way. Likely, you know, I, I, I you can look at it that way. But look again, regardless of whether Nolan is is at all successful. I think that there are some serious questions as to whether this is a valid way to handle a baseball team. I just, I, I don't know if this is valid. And, you know, it's 21 games, he was hitting well. That's a tiny sample size. I think everyone can agree on that. And frankly, uh, you, you don't want to see a guy get screwed out of his development. And Zach Neto has been a lot better than I ever could have expected. Um, I believe he's on the injured list now and, and he hasn't played in a little while, but I look, the the angels and I I did want to make this a a little more of an angels segment because they're really not in it and they think they are. They didn't trade Shohei Ohtani. Uh, Mike Trout you know is still on the injured list and still suffering. Taylor Ward's on the injured list. Anthony Rendon is basically the Chris Davis contract at this point. Yeah, you know I, it's time to talk about that. By the way, Anthony Rendon is almost the Chris Davis contract. He mm-hmm. never plays. Chris Davis played. He was horrible. Anthony Rondeau never plays. So and when he did what's he, when he was playing, he got sus- Didn't he get suspended earlier this year for like yelling at <laughs> he, an A's he, fan? He, he did, he did. He uh, I, I think he might have thrown something or something along those lines. Maybe. But the Angels right now are 60 and 63. I their, their chances to make the postseason based on baseball reference are 0.6%. Yeah. It's a 0.6% chance. They're making this move with Nolan to actually try to win. They're, they're trying to say this is our last ditch desperate move to actually try to make a playoff run it's not possible they're not going to do it they they were behind in the al west when they decided not to trade shohei otani there was a glimmer of hope i think the number on baseball reference was like 2.5 percent back then now it's at 0.6 and you know to make a playoff run is great to win the world series that's your goal at the end of the day, you're you're not you're, your your goal is not really to make the playoffs. At least it shouldn't be. If your if your goal is to make the playoffs, that's a little weird. You know, your your goal should be to win the World Series. And everyone can clearly tell it's it's pretty obvious to everyone sitting here that the Angels are not a World Series team. No. So to bring this guy up this early, to bring Zach Neto up as early as they did, regardless of his success, it's going to stop working at some point. And maybe they'll end up drafting number one overall at some point soon. And they'll get the best guy in college baseball. And he'll be incredible. And they'll just ruin him because they don't know how to handle a minor league system. It just seems so irresponsible and crazy to me. And I thought Billy Epler ran that team poorly. And now Billy Epler's with the Mets and running that team kind of poorly. Kind of. I I could go a lot. You know what? We we could have a whole Mets segment, but we'll leave that for another day. Yeah. I love Buck too much. Uh, but it's hard not to love, Buck I, I want to root for the guy, but he's never going to get another job in baseball. Unfortunately, yeah. I think yeah. he, I think he's done because Billy Epler paid a lot of veterans and paid a lot of guys to do not a lot. Uh, the, the Mets and then they traded DeGrom and they well not sorry they didn't trade DeGrom they, they let him walk and then they traded Scherzer they traded Verlander which could have been the greatest rotation in the history of baseball oh, yeah it could have been man and that's that's all gone and, and the Mets are, are terrible but anyway the, the Los Angeles Angels were formerly run by Billy Epler the guy who's now running the train wreck in New York and now they're run by Perry Maniason I believe I pronounced that correctly and he just hasn't done a great job they they're chances to actually get Otani and retain Otani in the offseason are pretty low so to do this to Nolan is hard to hard to fathom that that's that's the point here if they're not gonna make the playoffs this is this is hard to fathom
1: I feel I feel for Mike trout he, he's tie, yeah. he's tied into a long-term contract there
0: and he signed through his age 45 season I yeah, believe so, something like that
1: yeah it's, and Granted, he hasn't been able to stay on the field the last couple of years, but still one of the one of the greatest, and I think deserves. You know, we want to see him in the playoffs. He he's played in three playoff games and lost all three of them. Yeah, to the A's, yeah. who ironically, are, <laughs> yeah, are the worst team in baseball
0: now. But am, am I wrong, or did the A's sweep the Braves this season? I believe they did at one point. Something crazy happened. There like was something, that. and that's that's Major League Baseball. And I, I was talking to a friend about this, um, and I was saying, look. You know the Orioles may as they, they may very well lose a game. They may lose two games against the A's in in the series. It's it's possible because baseball is baseball, and these are professional teams. And the A's at the end of the day are still going to win a, a you know a number of games. They're not going to lose every game they play, and you can't expect them to. So if the Orioles lose, I, I think people will probably you know try to burn down the warehouse or something. But this is a still a major league team at the end of the day. They they have decent players. Seth Brown is a pretty good hitter. There's some guys on that team that are are uh are pretty solid players so it's the Orioles very well could lose a game and it's not it wouldn't be out of the question but last night obviously again we talked about it that 9-4 win this is a division for the Angels that is just a lost cause at this point the Rangers are really good really good uh the the Astros have been exceptional even though at the beginning of the season they they certainly were far from that so it's going to be tough um but you know, it's that—that's what it is. They—they—they're deciding to to be run how they want to run. Ryan, are, would you, would you say you're ready for the payoff pitch around the league? Is it, do you have your oh, notes sure. up here? Yeah, I, I think we're gonna transition right into that since we are talking about a team that is not the Baltimore Orioles. After that, we'll run into a little Orioles banter.
1: Yeah. Well, this was this was mostly written by Paul, but I, I added a couple things here and there for the payoff pitch around the league. We'll start with the Orioles. And the Oakland Athletics' Kyle Gibson struggled against the league's worst offense, giving up four runs over five innings. But the Orioles' bats were better as all nine starters, plus injury substitution, Ramon Arias, recorded at least one base hit. Gunnar Henderson hit a 438-foot home run and drove in three as the Orioles extended their streak without getting swept to 79 series with that 9-4 victory. Akil Badu homered and doubled, and Tariq Skubal struck out seven over six innings of one-run ball to lead the Tigers past the Guardians 4-2 to two in Game 1 of a doubleheader. In Game 2, Xavion Curry spun six innings of one-run ball, and Will Brennan collected two hits and two RBIs to earn Cleveland a win and a split 4-1. to one. Bobby, Witt, Homer, Bobby Witt Jr. homered and, and drove in two while Cole Ragan struggled, sorry, I can't read, struck out nine over six frames and the Royals took care of the Cubs 4-3. to three. Brett Kennedy tossed shutout innings, followed by the Cincinnati Bullpen allowing just one base runner over the final four innings, and Christian Encarnacion-Strand played the hero with a walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth to give the Reds a 1-0 victory over the Blue Jays. The 1-4 hitters for Boston collected 11 of the team's 12 hits and drove in all eight runs. Led by Masataka Yoshida's four RBIs in the Red Sox, 8-3 victory over the Yankees, Aaron Judge homered for the Yankees in the loss, who dropped to two games below five hundred. C.J. Abrams had a three-run homer while Lane Thomas, Stone Garrett, and Blake Rutherford collected three hits apiece to lead the Nationals over the Phillies, 8-3. Kyle Schwarber homered twice in the loss, and Philly starter Michael Lorenzen allowed seven runs, six earned in three and a third innings After a no-hitter. In his first start <laughs> since his no-hitter. Uh, Michael Harris' second collected four hits, but it was the Spencer Strider show as the Braves' young ace struck out ten and allowed just one hit over seven shutout innings, and the Braves held serve, shutting out the Giants four to nothing. William Contreras, Carlos Santana, and Mark Canna combined for eight ribeyes, and the bullpen survived a four-run Rangers barrage in the bottom of the ninth as the Brewers held on to beat Texas nine to eight. Julio Rodriguez stayed the hottest hitter on the planet, collecting his third straight Four plus hit game, going four for five with a home run, making the Seattle superstar thirteen for his last sixteen as he led the Mariners to a two nothing victory. To oh, it's crazy! He's doing his best uh, Ryan malcastle in Toronto impression. Uh, a two nothing victory over the Astros. Lost in the shuffle was Seattle starter Bryce Miller, allowing just two hits over six and a third shutout innings. Pablo Lopez struck out seven over six shutout innings, and Michael A Taylor hit a two run homer to pace the Twins in their five to one win over the Pirates. Brandon Nimmo had three hits and Jeff McNeil drove in four to lead the Mets past the Cardinals 7-1 for their third straight victory. Ezekiel Tovar, Elias Diaz, and Ryan McMahon each homered and five batters drove in at least two for the Rockies as they blasted the White Sox 14-1. Shohei Otani hit a grand slam. Nolan Shonwell became the first 2023 draft pick to debut in the majors and also became the first 2023 draft pick to record a major league hit and then after all that, Harold Ramirez grounded into a triple play with a go-ahead run at third base <laughs> in the top of the ninth. Paul didn't finish that one out, but the Rays took care of the Angels nine to six in extra innings. San Diego's Seth Lugo struck out nine in six shutout innings, and Arizona's Brandon uh, I can't pronounce that Fad Fad I think it's FOT, allowed just one hit in seven shutout innings of his own. Unfortunately for Arizona, former Oriole Miguel Castro pitched the eighth, allowing four runs on three hits and the final blow coming by way of a Fernando Tatis Jr. home run. And the Padres, despite just four hits, took home the 4 nothing victory. Last but not least, Jorge Soler hit two of the Marlins' five home runs, all of which came off of Dodgers starter Tony Gonsolin, who surrendered 10 earned runs in three and a third innings as the Marlins ended the Dodgers' 11-game winning streak in dominating fashion with an 11-3 win.
0: Well, they have a doubleheader today, so the uh, Dodgers will get another chance. two games, Uh, Cutter Crawford, Garrett Cole, Red Sox and Yankees. Classic AL East matchup. That's in the Bronx at 105. Brady Singer, Justin Steele, righty versus lefty. Royals and Cubs, that's 220 at Wrigley in Chicago. Uh, As I mentioned, game one of that doubleheader between the Marlins and the Dodgers, that's going to be played at Dodger Stadium. The first game scheduled for 3 o'clock, Yuri Perez, Caleb Ferguson, Again, we'll get to that second game in a moment here. D backs and Padres. To be determined, our favorite pitcher for the Padres, Merrill Kelly, goes for the D backs. That's another doubleheader we're going to get to in a second. 310 at Petco Park. Phillies and Nationals, Christopher Sanchez, Jake Irvin, 405 in the district. Freddie Peralta goes against Dean Dunning, Brewers and Rangers, 405 at Globe Life Field. Another doubleheader on the docket today for us: Angels and Rays. Tyler Glass now goes in Game One. Chase Silseth goes in Game One for the Angels. Four o five at Angel Stadium. Chris Bassett, Brandon Williamson, righty versus lefty. Blue Jays, Red six forty at Great American Ballpark. Tigers and Guardians will go head head seven ten. Matt Manning, Tanner Bybee, That's at Progressive Field in Cleveland. Mariners and Astros, two teams in the same division. Logan Gilbert, Framber Valdez, 7-10 at Minute Maid Park. Mitch Keller, who I hoped would be an Oriole to trade that line, but sadly not, against Sonny Gray. Twins and Pirates, 7-10 at Target Field. Kodai Sanga goes for the Mets. Miles Michaelis goes for the Cardinals. 7-15 at Busch Stadium in St. Louis. Logan Webb goes for the Giants. Rianni Torinos goes for the Braves. 7-10 at Truist Park. That one is in Atlanta. White Sox and Rockies, 8-10 at Coors Field. Jesse Schultons goes against Kyle Freeland. To be determined for the D-backs, for the Padres, you Darvish, that's game two of that doubleheader at Petco Park. Zach Eflin, Patrick Sandoval, game two of that doubleheader as well. Rays and Angels scheduled for 9 7 in Anaheim. Orioles and A's, Cole Irvin makes a start, another start after throwing sh- five shutout innings last time around against Ken Waldachuk and the Oakland A's. Orioles look for ga- win it, to win game two of that series. I also can't read, Ryan. <laughs> Marlins and Dodgers game two of that doubleheader Braxton Garrett Julio Arias a battle of the lefties that's the final game of the night 9-10 at Dodger Stadium so three doubleheaders if that's your thing and no one was postponed
1: last night so are are these just these are these are makeup
0: games from I believe all were August 20th all three were August 20th
1: no that's that's tomorrow
0: that's what I have listed here
1: August 20th is tomorrow. Move
0: it was moved from August 20th. It was canceled because oh, oh, of you're that's right. right. It is it is it is tomorrow. There it was moved st- because of Hurricane Hillary, I believe it is. That's it's a west or right. the rare west coast hurricane. So they're all moved and they're all going to be doubleheaders today. So if that's your thing. That's By the way, right. Ryan, I don't think I've ever heard your take on this. Are you a doubleheader guy that's a 7 inning doubleheader guy or a 9 inning doubleheader guy? 9. 9. I'm a 7 personally. I so well,
1: okay. If I'm going to the game, I want nine. Okay. Because I if I'm going to the stadium, I want to be there for as long as I can. Really? I Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 18 innings is a lot of baseball, man. That's a lot of baseball. <laughs> look, I, I I don't get tired of it. I, I mean, unless unless you get blown out in the first game in the season. Yeah. Look, I I went to the the doubleheader that the Orioles lost 30 to 3 and then they oh, lost, wow. I think 9 to 7 in the, in game 2. Yep. Cuz people forget the 30 to 3 game was game 1 of a doubleheader. Game 1, right. Yeah. Right. Um look, I, I I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I don't have a strong take on that. I, I'm not opposed to seven inning double headers. Yeah. yeah. I just, I, am I'm, I'm a give me as much baseball as possible kind of guy.
0: I, I think 14 makes a lot more sense. I mean, I know it's completely against everything that's traditional and traditional baseball people will be hating me for this, but I, that's what I thought was really, really efficient, you know, and, and seven innings you, you throw a no hitter and it's like, it's not a real no hitter. If that's you throw a thing. perfect game, it's not a real perfect game. It kind of screws with everything. But That's the thing. Madison Bumgarner throws a, a seven yeah, inning did. no hitter last year. It was
1: a seven inning game. He he, complete game, no hits. That's a no yeah. hitter. And Major League Baseball was like, no, we're not counting it.
0: So as you mentioned, I was at a you you said you were at the Rangers one where they lost thirty to three. I was at a Yankees doubleheader about four years ago where the Orioles were. I think it was the 2018 season, so it might have been five years ago at this point. And the Orioles got decimated, like absolutely decimated in both games. I think the Yankees put up like. I don't know, eighteen runs combined in both games and, and the Orioles scored maybe four. And I sat through eighteen innings of baseball because my friends didn't want to leave. I would have been out of there like third inning. Like I if the Orioles are down that bad and that early of a game, they lost the first one, I'm out of there for sure. But that's a game where you simply do not want to sit through eighteen innings of baseball. But maybe now if you're Baltimore Orioles and you're, you know, the best team in the American League or the best team in the AL East, certainly a different story. So yeah. I don't know. I, I I'm kind of with you. Like I, I, I like the traditional sense of it, but I mean, overall, baseball's made a lot of rule changes where you kind of have to think about whether it's really traditional baseball. I mean, you got the bigger bases now, and I'm not sure really anyone cares about that. I think it's actually helped stolen base production. You got Ronald Acuna. Was he stolen like 40 bases already? He's over 50. He's on he's pace over for, 50. Like, he's yeah. on pace for like 80. I think. Which is just <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. But I I think it's actually really benefited the game in some ways. Some of the other rule changes. I mean I, you kinda of look at them now, we're we're in August and in the middle of August and you can kind of I guess really quantify these rule changes a little more than you could have a few months ago and you can really start to judge them and certainly I, I want the seven inning doubleheaders back. I'm, I'm disappointed about that. But I, I think the big bases are, are certainly a, a good thing.
1: You know you know what I miss and it's it's not about the innings. I miss when teams schedule doubleheaders. I I would love to know in advance there's gonna be, you know, a single admission doubleheader and I'm going to block
0: off my Saturday for it. I got good news for you. There's scheduled doubleheaders next year. I'm almost positive really? about that. Yeah, because the, the schedule came out, what, two months ago, a month ago, something like that, Yeah, and there are scheduled doubleheaders. So, Interesting. Uh, for the Orioles or just in general? So there, there were in the 2023 schedule as well. Um, it was Tampa Bay and Boston, and then let, let's see. i got, I got to pull up this thing here. Uh, June 3rd, Tampa Bay and Boston was a scheduled doubleheader. Mm-hmm. uh july 15th san diego and philadelphia and then the dodgers in colorado september 26th so there were okay. three of them but no the orioles were not included and well, I, I, I don't I, think the orioles have any next year as well
1: i would like i would like one of them a month please That's, really yeah i yeah. Mm, i don't know man I, I give them give them thursday and friday off that might be a little too much
0: but i mean i, I feel like too the the argument for 14 inning double headers is that you really get to save a lot of your guys. Doubleheaders are hard on your players, especially, you know, a guy like Adley Rushman can't catch both games. And probably, um, you know, with with the way the Orioles have been DHing him a lot more lately, they wouldn't want that at all. They wouldn't want him to catch one game and then DH the next game yeah, either.
1: That, that's that's true. And I, I will say the, the caveat to all this is I'm speaking as a fan. I I <laughs> sure. don't I don't know the rigors of playing eighteen innings yeah. in one day as a baseball player. It might be that the players are entirely opposed to it, and if that's the case, so be it. I'm yeah. just I'm speaking strictly as a fan. That's that's all. Okay.
0: Yeah, I know I understand that, and certainly I Paul Valley's with you because we I've asked him on the show many times, and he goes, "Give me every possible inning of baseball you can. I'll sit down and watch all all teams. Dude, but there's that's, nothing like that's a choice. One
1: of my favorite things to do is when I am anticipating a game being postponed, and people are selling their tickets on third party sites for cheap. I will buy. A ticket to the game that's going to get postponed, okay. In the hopes that they'll reschedule it as a single admission <laughs> doubleheader, and I'll that's have that funny. cheap ticket. There's nothing like waking up on a Saturday yeah. and being like, "I get to go to the stadium and watch two baseball games today for the price of one."
0: Hey, well, I love it. I love it. That's that's an opinion. <laughs> I, uh, I I I'm not there with you, but. Ryan, I, I think Paul's uh his intention was to talk about the team in parts. So you look at the bullpen, you look at the offense, and you look at the starting rotation. So I think you wanted us to start out with the bullpen here and give a little bit of an overall discussion, which we already have a little bit. Where I, I want to start off with Cano. We talked about him in the beginning of the, the segment and or beginning of the show, I should say. We talked about him. I I look at it as maybe a possible doghouse situation where he was thrown into the night thing, where that's usually in the in the past, that's been like a Keegan Aiken role. That's been a Brian Baker role. The guys that maybe haven't pitched quite as well to see mm-hmm. Cano with what a one seven five ERA going into last night's game. Pitch that game was a bit surprising to me. So, where are you on Cano overall? You know, you already talked about your your take on that, but where are you on Cano as a whole? Do you still trust him in the eighth inning? Is he your setup guy? Is there another guy you'd rather in that situation, or how do you feel? Well, looking at his game log, he has been
1: much better of late. He had a stretch where he was. Yes. It seemed like he was giving up multiple base runners in just about every outing for a while. He has not given up a run yet in August, and that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven appearances in August. Only walked one, only gave up four hits. So he's been much better as of late. And you know, after hearing Stan's reasoning, he he was on four days rest before last night, which was the 18th. He had not pitched since the 13th. Yeah, I think it's more a matter of getting him, innings. keeping him fresh, getting him a low Cut. leverage outing. Um, up by five, there's no pressure there in the no. ninth inning. Obviously, you're not going to use uh, Felix Bautista in that situation. I think Fuji had pitched the night before, so I, I think it's a matter of just getting him some work and, and keeping him a little fresh. Um, overall, I, I, there was a stretch where I was I was really concerned with Cano. I didn't think he was supposed to be the eighth inning guy anymore. Yeah, obviously he was fantastic at the beginning of the season, and then had a stretch where he still wasn't giving up a ton of runs, but he was giving up a ton of base runners. He had like a a two month stretch where his WHIP was like one sixty something, and that's concerning as as your setup man. Lately, he has been very good, and so he's, he's struck out at least one hitter in all but one August outing. Look, yeah, I, I think it was a little bit of fatigue that, that wore him out, and hopefully he has started to get back into a little bit better shape, yep. get that release point up where he likes it because he was dropping that shoulder down a little bit, dropping the elbow, and yep. it was it was weird. There was a stretch where it looked like he had just ditched his changeup for some reason. <laughs> he's been throwing <laughs> yeah. that a little bit more lately. So I'm not, I'm not as concerned about him now as I was in in june and july but i do think you need one of these other guys in the bullpen to step up and be an eighth inning option because it's not it's not every night that you can count on cano anymore
0: yeah i have to agree uh i i'm a little bit worried about cano and and like you said it seemed like for a while there he was giving up a base runner every five seconds it was like he came in and automatically there was a guy on base whether it was uh a walk or, or a base hit, and, and a lot of things were even hit hard off Cano. And that was my, my early uh, concern. But then you look at this team, and I, I thought Fujinami would be the guy that was the 8th inning guy and could come in and certainly pitch really well in Oakland before the trade, and then came over here, and like you said, after the first three pitches, you have no idea what Fujinami you're going to get. So I don't think he's the 8th inning guy. I don't think Mike Ballman is. Like Stan said, I'm not sure he's in your circle of trust at the moment. But you look at Cano, and he still has the 5th best war on the team. And that's behind you know, four really good players. I mean, that's Kyle Bradish, Gunnar Henderson, Felix Bautista, and Adley Rutschman. Like he's in really good company. Yeah. Cedric Mullins is behind him at 2.4 WAR. He's at 2.6. So things have gone well as of late, and there's a good stretch. I just worry about when you face a team like the Astros, which we see the the way the Orioles handled the Astros a few weeks ago. wasn't pretty, and that was a bad series, one of the worst of the year. I look at that and I say, do you trust Yenner Cano against that lineup in the playoffs? I'm not sure I do. But then again, I'm not sure I trust anyone else besides Felix Balsiste either. I, I don't think I do.
1: So I I did say that Cano has not allowed an earned run in the month of um August. He has, however, both both games in that Astros series when he came into pitch, he allowed an there inherited runner to score. There so, you go. Yeah. Um yeah, the level of trust there is is certainly not what it was for his, you know, first fifteen to twenty appearances of the yeah. season. I still think he's a good pitcher. Right. I still think he's a really good pitcher. It's just a matter of making the right pitches in the right spots. Because yeah, totally when, agree. when he comes in and a player is sitting on that sinker and puts a good swing on it, it they're, he's given up a lot of doubles, it feels like.
0: Yeah. And a lot of hard no, contact. No, no doubt. So
1: it's, it's one of those things that you really want him to, to hone in on that. And I think he very well could be a dominant eighth inning guy in the yep. postseason. But the level of trust in that is kind of hit or miss.
0: Yeah, I, I'm totally with you. And now with Danny Coolum on the injured list, and he's get probably on there probably a little longer than most people would expect i think there's going to be a, a slow play for the orioles getting him back because they know how valuable that arm is he had a 2.770 array when he went on through 47 games and he's a guy that is probably the second guy you trust outside of felix baltista probably in my opinion the, the, the second best guy in this bullpen and when he went on the injured list that's a huge loss Obviously, now Webb has come in, and Webb's looked pretty good. And I, I haven't seen, there's a few games I've missed that Webb's pitched in already. So I want to get your take on Webb. You, you've probably seen him a little more than I have. How's Webb looked overall to you? He's looked really good. okay he,
1: He's a lot of strikeouts, a lot of soft contact. Um, he, I think he struck out his first five batters that he faced in an Orioles uniform. I think, I, I don't know this for sure, but I think he's only given up one hit um in you're five, correct five or one six, hit. Outings. six innings yeah yeah so um i mean look it it, it looks like Michael elias did it again in in <laughs> getting a waiver claim and i i noticed this in some notes earlier and we we haven't gotten to talk about it we talked about how poorly the angels are run why would they dfa yeah. a jacob webb it it, it doesn't make sense he, stan had him on his fantasy team earlier this year yeah he's a he's a solid guy
0: i don't think people realize how good jacob webb was in 2019 he had a 1.36, uh, 3.9, excuse me, ERA through 36 games with Look, Atlanta, which hey, is <laughs> unreal. Frankly. With Atl-
1: I mean, goodness. Look. That's I, amazing. This, this could be an, another one of those pickups that, like, you know, CNL Perez, we, we claimed him off waivers, and then he had a, what, 165 last year? Yeah. Uh, granted, he hasn't been the same guy this year, but he had a stretch where he was really, really good. Yeah. The Orioles have this pitching lab up in, up in Bel Air. Yep. And uh, the, it it works wonders apparently.
0: How and often do you think guys are actually there though? Do you think that's not like not more of an off season thing? Or I, I, okay.
1: to be honest, I'm not. sure. Do you think the pitching is it like a physical place?
0: That's what I would assume it is. I, I hear it referred so to too. all the time, but yeah. I don't know what it actually is. Maybe
1: it, it's just like a, a a um, what's it called? Like something that it's A room like,
0: with a ton of computers in it that guys, you know, like the, the Sigma Dells of the world just do math on right, for, maybe, for eight maybe. hours a yeah. day. That, like, is it like a drive line or is it like right. an idea? You know, I'm not sure. I um, mean, given that they say it's a, a physical location in Bel Air, I would think that that means it's a physical, it actual lab where guys throw off mounts.
1: But have any of us actually seen it?
0: No, I
3: mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> I want to go check it out. It's,
0: it's hidden. I mean, I, I live pretty close there. I, I could easily get, get down one, there and, yeah. and, and find out, do a little investigative research for the show. Yeah. But Jacob Webb, as you mentioned, I mean, 398 ERA with Los Angeles. And as Paul put in the notes, we, we talked about how bad the Angels are. And they're, and I, I guess I shouldn't say they're that bad. They're, they're only three games under 500. Yeah. But they, they need everything they can get. They're to DFA a guy bad. who has that good of numbers and is striking out almost 10 guys per nine, the walks were a little high. And he's cut down by almost four guys per nine so far. So that trend is a little concerning to me. He cut down four guys per nine on, on walks in his six appearances with the Orioles compared to his 29 appearances with the Angels. Yeah. I look probably at that number reverting away. a little bit. He'll, yeah. he'll probably end up in like the four range, not 5'7". Well,
1: and it did with, with Cano a little bit too. And I mean, yeah. look, Felix Bautista, his biggest concern coming through the minors was Walk. this guy's nasty, but he walks way too many yep. guys and that it's it, and he's had a couple stretches this season where he would, you know, walk two or three guys load the bases and then strike out the side. Yeah. But I don't think there was a month, I think it was June, he didn't walk a single batter. Yeah. I mean, it's look, it's I don't know, something in, in Chris Chris Holt, <laughs> I, I I bow to you sir.
0: Yeah, I mean it, he's probably the guy who oversees that pitching lap, I would guess. I I don't yeah. know what it is, but I, Jacob Webb is is certainly been a, a welcome addition and a guy who, you know, only threw 29 games in in Los Angeles, so certainly has some gas probably left in the tank and you can you can hope that uh, he's going to come out and keep throwing really good innings and and keep that ERA low and that's going to really help the Orioles down the stretch. Now, another guy, let, let's let's talk about him. I, I mentioned him earlier, Fujinami. Is probably the he's almost I think I mentioned this with Jorge Mateo last year on Connor Newcomb's show, uh, Locked On Orioles podcast. I mentioned that I thought he was the most confusing player on the Orioles. Now the guy is, is Fujinami. He's the most confusing player on the Orioles. Because, like you mentioned, first three pitches he throws, you have a pretty good idea of what the outing's going to look like. If they're out of the zone, if they're wild, you know he's going to have a pretty bad outing. But there's also another tell. It's if he's in a high-pressure situation where runners are on base. He hasn't been good. And you know he comes up in a mop on roll, a mop up roll, and he throws hundred miles an hour, and he looks electric. The slider great. Everything looks amazing, but it's a kind of a really different outing every time you get Fujinami. You never really know what to expect. Can they trust him at all in high leverage situations, or is he literally your your last guy you are using in those at this point?
1: I, I think we're going to get to the point where we can. Okay. And maybe that's maybe that's bold, maybe that's optimistic. And I, I'm going to contradict myself here real quick because I, I said earlier in the show that you know after three pitches, and you you brought that up again a couple times. And um, I agree. I mean, that's well, what I take. I, I'm going to I'm going to contradict myself because his okay. last outing, his first three pitches were not even close. And then James McCann called time, went out to the mound, and he ended up retiring all three guys he faced. That's a testament to James McCann too, though. James, and what a great spot to do that too yes. before he walks the leadoff batter. Yep. Come in and say, and and I guess McCann post game. I don't remember the exact quote, but he said something along the lines of, you know, I told him, look, your stuff is nasty. Just be you. Right. Throw, you know, be, fill up the zone. They're not going to be able to hit it very well. Yeah. This guy throws, he can touch 103 with his fastball. Yeah. He has a splitter that he can throw at 95. Right. He's got a cutter at 90, 91, 92. Right. That if, if he can locate it on the outer half of the plate, it's untouchable. Yep. He should be Felix Bautista-level numbers of dominance, yes. and he's not. And I don't get it. It's I mean, I understand the control isn't there, right? The command isn't there. Right. Little too many pitches hanging over the heart of the plate. But, man, if they can tweak something mechanically where he's got his confidence back, yeah. I, he, he can be an absolutely disgusting pitcher. And this is his first year in the major leagues, too. You have he, to he think it's himself. more
0: of a mental thing. Yeah. Like it's just a la- it- he's a rookie who is what 29, I believe. Yeah. Um let me Pitch check. His whole career in Japan. Yeah, 29.
1: But he's come over and he I mean he seems like a, a fun uh bullpen guy. I think the the relievers have welcomed him with open arms yep. and I I've, I've seen a couple quotes or articles that have said, you know, he's learning a new word of English every day and he's, you know, already become good friends with Danny That's Coulomb awesome. and Mike yeah. Bauman and all that and they're swapping, you know, knowledge with each other. I really do think Fuji is going to be a solid reliever. Okay. I'm not sure. So I, I, when you first asked me this question, I said, I think we'll get to the point where we can trust him in high-level situations. I don't know if that point is going to be this season. Okay. But I do think it's going to come in the future, and I hope the Orioles retain him, resign him, and try to continue working with him yeah. because the the stuff is undeniable.
0: That was going to be where I go next. Is he a guy who comes back next year? Because he's on a one-year, $3 million deal. I, I see it as pretty likely and if he had pitched really well, lights out. And if he still has the chance to do that, frankly, I mean, he's he's a month and a half left, and then playoff games. So yeah. he has a chance to do that. And if he stands out in the playoffs, he'll get a big contract. I'm yeah. I'm almost sure of that because so, every team's going to be watching, and every team's going to say, "Oh my God, this guy's incredible stuff. He's pitching well in the playoffs." That will be actually kind of a bad thing for the Orioles, even though it's going to be a really good thing for the Orioles. Yeah. Is there a chance the Orioles lock him up right now with an extension? Because I think the chances are almost zero.
1: Yeah, not right now, no. I think they would wait till after the postseason. And even then, I, I'm not convinced. You know, if he pitches well enough in the postseason, yeah.
0: I'm not sure
1: that they would. They would try to retain. It.
0: They probably won't go to that price. They probably won't. Like I. I think Michael Gibbons at three million is probably about as high as they're going to go for relievers. Now Felix Bautista is a different story. Yeah. Once that comes time where they need to to make an extension there, I think they will pay that guy. Now, I look, truly if, do believe if,
1: that. If Fuji is is really set, pitches to like let's say a one seven ERA in September and through mm. the postseason, I I still I don't think based on his his full season body of work that he's going to command a massive contract. Uh, no, especially if no. he's you know staying in the bullpen not in a closer role so I I do think I, I don't think it's one of those things where he's gonna price himself out of the Orioles range yeah I think best case scenario for Fuji is he ends up on like a two-year 12 13 million I was gonna deal. say 15 and that, I yeah. think that's doable for the
0: Orioles do you think 15s doable is seven and a half a year you know that's maybe a little more than I could see the Orioles going it's for, a little for
1: it's hour. a little high but
0: yeah look
1: Fuji's a guy I don't... I, it's his first year playing in the United States. Yeah. he's He's got a disgusting pitch mix. Let him work it out. Give him some time. If it doesn't happen this year, I would love for them to bring him back and just give him a shot. Because how many other bullpen options do you have right now?
0: You don't. You, you, know, you we really, talked about, you really don't. We talked
1: about John Means and D.L. Hall and Tyler Wells potentially coming back. But they're ultimately, maybe Hall's in the bullpen, yeah. but ultimately Means and Tyler Wells are starters. Cole Irvin's a starter. Yeah. Kyle Gibson's right. a starter. So... How many how many solid
0: bullpen options do you have? Right. To me, John means looks like a nothing to me. Like at this point. Like I and I don't mean that in a mean way. I don't mean that any other than I, I don't see him pitching as, as a valuable member of this team. I just don't. I, I think Ever he could, again or this oh, season. Oh no, this season. Okay. The, ever again is a completely different situation. I think he could absolutely be valuable at some point down the road. I just think this season coming back from an injury like that is something that takes a very long time. And he's gonna have to be built up. And that's already happening in Bowie. He had a really bad outing his last time out. The first outing was a lot better. I just don't really see the Orioles kind of throwing him into the fire and saying, Hey, you know, you're back to, to being John Means. They're probably gonna throw him in the bullpen. I don't yeah. really expect a lot. I just don't.
1: You don't you don't see
0: him as like a give us give us two good innings in the fifth and sixth? I wanna know where the velocity's at because it's been about ninety one in Bowie. I think that's a little low for him having success his better years were more like 92 93 and he was more sitting 90 91 so far so he's gonna have to build that velocity back and then if he can work the 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 fastball change up fastball change up over and over again like he did to make him really successful and threw no hitter in seattle i think he might get back to being okay but i just don't think it's now i think it's next season i think it's a whole off season of work how about this he starts at Bowie tomorrow I will. I will go scout him out.
1: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> let, I'll let you know. I'll get. We'll a, call you next week. I'll get an accurate velo reading that's not from the stadium gun. There you go. That one's never calibrated. Correctly. It isn't right. No. I'll talk to a scout behind the plate. Get it. Get a feel for wh- how John Means looks. I'll get you a full scouting report. Sure. Whether or not Let's I think <laughs> he's going to be a legitimate guy in the bullpen. I'll is, report is he actually next throwing week. tomorrow? Was that happening? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Good. I. Good. I, I Almost certain, Bowie posted a graphic that he was pitching Sunday.
0: You know, I'm actually happier with him pitching in Bowie than I am in Norfolk because I think that I always say I think the competition is a little better in Double A. You face better prospects, not really major league flameouts. You, you you face face some real guys that are are legit guys. So yeah. I'm actually excited to see what Means does, and I I really hope he does well because the Orioles could eat it. And Michael Givens, by the way, um, one thing we didn't even touch on with Givens is that he was DFA'd. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> surprise, <laughs> it's 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 kind of like. I, it's so, what's the word for it? Like unceremonious is the word, yeah. I guess. Is His second <laughs> stint, I guess that's right. His second stint in Baltimore is the most disappointing thing that anybody could have predicted for him like it, it's it, Danny Valencia had a second better stint in Baltimore. <laughs> uh better second stint in Baltimore than uh, Michael Gibbons ended up having. I didn't expect a Danny Valencia name drop on this show. Well, yeah, he, he had those two stints and what Steve Pierce had what three? I mean, there's I there's so, some yeah. guys and yeah, I, Rich Hill almost made a second appearance at, at the trade that happened. Nigga had he had one. There the, um, you know that's that's a great example because he came back in what 2010 and it was just useless basically. Danny, and he went <laughs> number 9 because Adam yeah. Jones was already here and it's like Ken Griffey Jr. coming back to the uh to the <laughs> (laughs) the Mariners at the end of his career and hitting like 136. Right. But you know I really had a lot of high hopes and they paid him three million and he was pretty Good for the Mets last year. He wasn't great, but he was pretty good and certainly serviceable. And he's again a guy who can literally just eat innings for you if that's nothing else. And clearly the Orioles didn't even think he was enough for that. So hopefully he passes through waivers. I haven't seen him get claimed yet. He might just elect free agency. I think that would be the more probable approach. And I think so too. Some other team brings him up for the maybe the Angels will sign him. Who knows? <laughs> maybe the Angels will sign him and bring him up. So I I don't know. But Givens is is out of the picture at this point. Dylan Tate's out of the picture completely. So. It's Deal Hall and John Means. Those are your guys that you're really hoping to. Tyler be, Wells. and Tyler Wells, excuse yeah. me, Tyler Wells. Are, are you're really hoping, and I, I still do think Tyler Wells is going to be a starter. So I, I think you're looking at ultimately Hall and yes, Means, yeah. Hall and Means for the the playoffs and the the bullpen down the road. So I do think the Orioles are, are going to get a little bit of a boost, probably more from Hall than Means, but we'll just see how it works out. And you know, I'm I'm not looking forward to. Uh, to having to sit through more Brian Baker if he he ends up returning, or Keegan Aiken if he ends up returning. So we'll just see what happens with that. I forgot about the existence of Keegan Aiken. I uh, I don't know if that's a, in their plans, but I would hope it's not. But he, didn't he get moved or no? Austin Voth got moved to the sixty day. Austin AL. Voth is out for the out for the year, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Aiken might still be on the fifteen, but um, I I would expect to see like one or two more games of Aiken. I think it's gonna happen. I think it's gonna happen in 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 real time or during a rain delay. <laughs> I do We'll see. We'll see. They'll, they'll replay the maybe. The, if, maybe if the Orioles get a double header and you're there. They'll bring him up as the 27th man. That, that could yeah, be, yeah, yeah. That I could. could I could see that. They would just. They would just do it for me. I. I, I would love that. Well, we're gonna catch a second break. Uh, when we come back, we're gonna do the second half of Orioles banter, which is gonna be. We're gonna talk about the offense. We're gonna talk about the starting pitching. I have a lot to say on Jack Flaherty. We're gonna get there when we come back here on the bat around.
7: picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food, check. Quality of service, check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking, check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore, check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard, they check all the boxes. only in Baltimore festivals, mouthwatering eats, and endless entertainment. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards. Pick crabs by the waterfront. Beat the heat inside a world-class museum and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. I'm Griffin
8: Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn, I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing.
5: He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutchman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot. Good to be with you. He is Gunnar Henderson. Thank y'all so much. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tonga Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank
0: you for having me. I had a great time. The great. Ra- Ray Lewis. Always good
8: to be on. He is Mr. Cow Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere
4: you get your podcasts. America's biggest bike race returns to Maryland Sunday, September 3rd as 120 of the world's best cyclists race the Maryland Cycling Classic presented by United Healthcare. Come enjoy the free fan zones and festival with interactives, food, and drink beginning at noon. Then see the exciting race conclusion from 3 to 5 p.m. in the Inner Harbor. Come be loud, be proud, and let the world hear you. For more information, go to Classic.us.
7: I'm Michael Jan Grandy, president of A.J. Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at AJMichaels.com. That's AJMichaels.com.
5: all electronic tolling is here to stay in Maryland, and DriveEasyMD.com helps you cruise a little easier. We're Maryland's tolling resource, home to EasyPass, pay by plate and video tolling. It's never been easier to pay your way. DriveEasyMD.com will keep you moving. You feel that? That's the sound of football coming back. And now's the time to place your preseason bets with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in Vegas. And now you can use my promo code, GlennClark23, to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they'll match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code GlennClark23. All one word, no spaces, two N's in Glenn. Don't miss out this football season. Win some money with Superbook sports and that promo code glenclark23 visit superbook.com for terms and conditions gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER
0: welcome back in to the bat around we are almost pretty close to closing things out here but we do have some Orioles banter to cover we've got a we've got a lot to talk about with the starting rotation Ryan I want to start off by talking about Jack Flaherty because Jack Flaherty (laughs) has been a very mixed bag in the first what three starts he's had now for the Orioles seven earned runs against the Padres a few days ago three earned runs in his second start one earned run in his first start six innings in that first start he looked really good Retired, He at i think 15 in a row at one point right against toronto he was really amped up the velocity was super high he was up at like 95 97 which is far better than we've ever seen from jack flarity in the past you know four years he hasn't been there since i think 2019 i think it was was the last time we saw him with that kind of velocity i think he was just pumped up we haven't really seen that same jack flarity with all of that passion and, all, you know, everything that goes with Jack Flaherty since then. And seven earned runs against the Padres. The Orioles end up losing that game 10-3. Nothing looked good. I, I don't know what I, I, any other way to say it than just nothing looked good. And if the Orioles really were hoping that Jack Flaherty can be the guy that can start game one in a playoff series or can start the last game of a playoff series if you need to win it, if it's the, the you know, the rubber match. The Orioles are going to be in trouble (laughs) because, frankly, Grayson Rodriguez has stepped up, and that's big news. Kyle Bradish has been okay as of late. You know, it had some better starts a few months ago. But those are the guys you really trust, and you're hoping that Jack Flaherty could be the third. I'm not really sure that's the case right now. Dean Kramer, by all means, has been okay too. But, I again, I'm not really sure that he's a guy you're going to trust in Game 1 or Game 2 or Game 3 of a playoff series.
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a tough situation, you know. The, we were hoping for a big trade deadline acquisition for the rotation. Thought maybe it's going to be Dylan Cease. Maybe it's going to be you know even Michael Lorenzen. He he comes out and I think eight innings, two runs, his first outing with Philly, and yep. then a no hitter in the next one. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jack Flaherty <laughs> yeah. gives up to a good Padres lineup. Don't yes. get me wrong, yes. but he he did it to himself. Right, he, he walked three before the Gary Sanchez grand slam. Right, continued walking guys in the second inning, gave up two more runs through I think 73 pitches in the first two innings which is yeah. an absurd number it was
0: 36 in the first 37 in the second I believe it was so that would be
1: 73 Seventy three. Yeah. good job Ryan Math.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nah. um
1: yeah I mean look it's it's I think Flaherty is going to have some really good outings for us I think he's also going to have a few clunkers yep I think that's basically been who he has been for the last couple years yep obviously was was fantastic as a as a rookie um and and a, and a you know, as a young pitcher, looked very, very promising. Yeah. And then has sort of fallen off a bit since then. But sure. I think the the talent is still there. He seems like a good clubhouse guy. Uh, but clubhouse guys only take you so far sure. in, in the postseason. So, you obviously, you know, you you want him to come out and pitch very well his yeah. next time out. Hopefully that happens and he's able to get a little more confidence back. But, you know, it's, it's always tough when you come to a new team and you struggle a little bit. Yeah. it's 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 going to be tough for him to figure out but luckily the rest of the Orioles rotation has been pretty solid lately with the exception of Kyle Gibson you know we we talked about Cole Irvin was who, who has picked it up lately yeah Grayson Rodriguez looks like a dude Kyle Bradish looks like a dude Dean Kramer is close to dude status but <laughs> close to dude he's status he's had yeah. a couple outings <laughs> where it's like all right Dean Kramer's a dude but he's he's getting there yeah um I still think Flaherty is going to be a part of your postseason right. rotation. I hope you're right, uh, unless he really, really struggles for this team in September. Yeah. Um, I think you know he's got the postseason experience. He's pitched in the playoffs before. He's pitched in high leverage spots in the playoffs before. So, yeah, I, I think he's still going to be in that rotation. Now, you could you could start him in Game Three of a series and put him on a real short leash and mm-hmm. say, all right, if uh, if you walk two guys in your first two innings, Tyler Wells, you're coming in for the third. And hopefully he can pull a, what right. he did when when Braddish got hurt in Texas second week of the season and, and come in and throw you know six no hit innings. Right. Um, I, I think I think Wells is a good guy to have in the bullpen behind someone like Jack undoubtedly. Flaherty. Undoubtedly, undoubtedly, um, maybe able to say the same for DL Hall. Who knows? I, I think he's looked better as of late. The velocity's back up for him, and so you know he can play mm. a role. But yeah, as for Flaherty's role, you know I think it's one of those things where you're going to put him out there in a postseason series but you're going to have someone at the ready in
0: case he doesn't have it. Right, and I think the fact that it's gotten progressively worse, where the first start was really good, second start was pretty good, third start was awful, three innings, seven runs. And by the way, they acquired Jack Flaherty not only to pitch quality innings, but to pitch a lot of them. And when you pitch three innings and then tax the bullpen like that for the rest of the six, that's really rough. The Orioles can't have that. And it's a five-man rotation right now, So if you end up, or six-man, excuse yeah. me. So if you need to kick someone out, and then you have Tyler Wells as well, you can always do that. I'm not saying that's going to happen to Jack Flaherty, but if it gets to that point, then maybe you have to do that. Seven runs, three innings is not a good start in any way, shape, or form. No. It's just not a good start. So, you know, let, let's hope Jack Flaherty turns it around, gets back to what he was. Something in between those first and second starts, because he's not going to be what he was that first start. That was no. an anomaly for Jack Flaherty. But that second start is more of what I think the pitcher he is. Just a pretty good pitcher, nothing yeah. great.
1: I, yeah, I, that's what we want is for him to be pretty good. And but, you know, in that yeah. that outing against the Padres, they fouled off so many two strike they pitches. Yeah. They worked them. Yeah, so many full counts in that outing, and it it got his pitch count up there. Yep. But you know, ultimately, I think he's he's going to be what what you said, you know, a, a good pitcher, not a great pitcher. If he can throw out some lines like what Kyle Gibson did last night, you know, five innings, four runs, sure. that's acceptable.
0: Yeah, I, I thought Kyle Gibson, you know, we talked about it in the beginning of the show, but I, I do think last night uh, was, he's thrown so many innings, and he had been in an average of about, like, six and third, I think, or six and two-thirds, that when you see him go five, it's, like, automatically, like, horrible outing. And again, last night wasn't what you would have wanted, especially in the context of being against Oakland. I mean, yeah. Oakland is probably the worst offense in the league, one of them, bottom five, at, at, you know, they're, they're at the They're lowest in runs
1: scored by about 50.
0: Right. They, they've done nothing, and... Every guy in that lineup besides Seth Brown is and Zach gilloff has been pretty good for yeah. for his credit. But there hasn't been much there. Uh, Daryl Hernandez might come up and, and be that savior. I, I don't know. Yeah. But the point is is that Kyle Gibson pitched very mediocre against a horrible offense. And that's okay. the concern here. It's not that he didn't pitch okay and get the win. It's that he pitched okay against a team that's that bad. That's a concern.
1: Well, the thing, the thing with Kyle Gibson, too, is you look at his career splits – you know like about a 415 ERA in in April May it's sub 4 mm-hmm. June and July are in the 430 to 450 range and yeah. then August and September are over 5 Yeah so exactly. he is a guy who historically starts to struggle a bit right. later in the season Right and so naturally that's going to be a concern Now no the Orioles with the six-man rotation have the luxury of being able to maybe skip him for a start Right and you know help him boost up a little more durability um you know, I I don't I haven't looked at his velo. I don't know if
0: he's you know struggling to. <laughs> I, I it's been lower as of late. I believe yeah. it's been down about a mile per hour, but that's not hugely significant. That's not a massive drop off. But it you know. can play. it can play part. Yeah.
1: But you know, back to Flaherty for a second. A little extra salt in the wound of that uh, that Padres game was that same day. Drew Rahm, who was traded for Jack Flaherty, pitched six scoreless against Triple A Norfolk.
0: Yeah, he did. He did so
1: a little bit of that. That was a that was a tough day for the Jack Flaherty trade. Yeah, but uh, you know, I, I still I still think there's a, a role for him. I don't think he's at risk of losing a rotation spot just yet. Now, if he goes out his next outing and throws up another clunker, yeah. Maybe we're having a different Start, conversation. Starting to worry
0: a little bit. I mean, it's not even the runs given up, really, for me. It's the amount of innings because you yeah. have to keep this bullpen healthy. We talked about it in the last segment that there just aren't that many guys. It's simple as that. There just aren't. And behind them, you don't know what you're getting with Hall and John Means and Tyler Wells, right? And you know whoever else the Orioles might decide to bring up, Gillaspie, if he if he's still around. Uh, it, by the way, I, one other guy I want to mention before we move on to our final segment with the lineup is. A guy that's been up and down a little bit, uh, acquired a few years ago, Nick Vespi. W- what are your feelings on, on, on Nick Vespi? Obviously, a kind of a soft tosser, lefty, weird arm slot. There's some things to like about Nick Vespi, but there's also a lot to not like in, in the previous years that he's pitched here, and the numbers haven't been that great, but the numbers have been okay this year. W- what are, What's your take so far on Vespi?
1: I'm a big Vespi guy. Okay, I, I can I see love, with the smile you got. Yeah, on <laughs> face Yeah, right look, I, I I like Nick Vespi a lot. He's he's a guy, and it's it's more of a personal attachment because I saw him for the first time in person at uh, Del Marva, and uh, really liked the slider. Okay, um, and his hair, obviously. Oh yeah, he's that, had he's had the, the flow. he's had the hair ever since he was a low A. Yeah, and this was yeah this was back when Del Marva was. Um, I guess they were no, they were never high. A. They were below Frederick, back when we had the whole. They were A, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, but you know the, the he he doesn't he's not going to blow anything past you no but he's got that combination of cutter slider curveball all of which have different shapes all of which have different velocities and i i think there's you know a lot to be said about a guy who can throw three pitches like that from a weird arm slot he, it, lefties have trouble with him you know righties can have trouble with him if he gets the cutter up it, in on the hands and the and is able to drop the curveball yep the slider down by the ankles and get some swings and misses on that yep um, I like him a lot, and it it blows my mind that the Orioles haven't really given him a fair shake. Yeah, um, and I'm I'm sure he's frustrated with that because he's pitched lights out at AAA yeah. Norfolk for two years now. And twice this year, he was called up and then optioned without making an appearance.
0: It reminds me of that Dan Clark tweet. I know his name should never be mentioned, but Dan Clark tweeted that one time. I'm I'm sure you remember this. What does Jimmy Yacobonis have to do to get a call up? Do you remember that? It was going around for like a year where he would tweet that over and over and over again. And it seemed like the same thing with Nick Vespi. Like, what else does Nick Vespi have to do in the minor leagues to get a call up? He wasn't giving up runs. He was right. And maybe, you know, we, we weren't watching him down there. We We didn't see exactly what he was doing. So maybe there was something off mechanically. Who knows? But he's here now. And you hope that it ends up working out well for them. And certainly with Coulomb on the injured list, it's certainly good to have a lefty in there. Uh, and hopefully he's somewhat effective. That's that's all we can hope for with Nick Vespey.
1: Jimmy Iacobonis, by the way, all-time great guy.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm sure he is. I, Super nice. I think I met him at FanFest one year. He was a pretty good guy. So. I met
1: him down – so I was a bad boy with the Bay Sox uh, okay. in, in 16, and I, I met him down there. And uh, I ran into him and his family at a bar in San Diego okay. after an Orioles-Padres game out there. Okay, And uh, I wasn't going to – bother him he was with his family yeah. his parents brothers and uh he came over to me i was sitting at the bar and was like hey man like what's up how's it going that's why we just we had like that's a 10-minute conversation all-time nice dude we dm on instagram once in a while I, I i wish nothing but the best for him but i was not aware of uh that those dan clark tweets yeah, I've, he, I've, he put, i had I him muted for he years. put out
0: one over and over like this was probably 18 17 and Yacobonis was kind of first coming up a little bit yeah. i think it was those years and he said what does Jimmy Aquinas have to do to get a call up? And it became like a meme for like a year and a half where people would talk about it because it's Dan Clark.
1: When how connected I am on Orioles Twitter, I can't believe I'm not aware of this. I'll
0: I'll try to find it for you. I I think I might have blocked Dan Clark a while. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. I think most of us have. (laughs) To move on, I want to ask you the lineup. We we talked about it a little bit. There's two things I'm going to cover to finish out this segment. Number one, what's your concern level between Santa and Darren Hayes? They've both been really bad since the All-Star break. This is no surprise for Austin Hayes. This is what he does. He gets hot for a while. Usually it's for a half of the season, whether it's before the All-Star break or after, and then he does nothing for the other half. Is that just the regular trend with him right now? And then what's your concern look like for Anthony Santander? This is a colder stretch than we've seen for him in a long time. and it's, it's, I would say the concern level's pretty high for me at the moment with the way he's looked.
1: It is for me, too. And I feel I feel bad saying that Austin Hayes was a dog at the beginning of the. <coughs> excuse me, still happens. Twenty eight years old. Austin Hayes was very good <laughs> at the beginning of the year, well deserving of his All Star selection. Was you know Stan mentioned he was leading the league in batting average. He climbed above I think it was Bobichet for a, a, a few games there back in in May and June. Um, it, it happened last year. He hits for the cycle against the Nationals. Gets starts to get a little bit banged up, mm-hmm. and then falls off and I, I can I can point to a, an instance earlier this season he was doing really well I don't remember where it was what series it was but he was trying to make a play it, along the left field wall and slid and hit the wall and came up and was hobbling a little bit and about, I don't, about a month ago right yeah think, yeah yeah and and ever since then he just he hasn't looked the same Santander has always been a relatively street he's not he's not you know chris davis streaky (laughs) no but he's a streaky player um in terms of you know his not just his his overall numbers but his eye at the plate it seems like he he goes through times where he's really locked in and he's having really good you know eight nine ten pitch at bats and then other times he's swinging at the first couple pitches and popping them up or grounding them out and he just has not looked like himself recently no it's concerning because a guy like santander with, with his profile, he has to be able to draw the occasional walk Yes, to stay productive, and he hasn't been doing that lately. He hasn't been hitting the ball exceptionally well. My, my level of concern with those two is is it's pretty high. Yeah. We, if they both continue to struggle into, into September and into the playoffs, it's bad news for this offense.
0: I look at it as this. It's not concerning for next year. I'm not worried about that. That's not what we mean. We mean that when they get to the playoffs – it's gonna be a concern. If you have two dead spots in your lineup, which yeah. they've kind of been, I hate to say that. And like you said, Austin Hayes was a three fifteen hitter going into the All-Star game. He was great. Yeah. But right now it just it hasn't worked for him. And Colton Kowser's back down. Ryan McKenna probably will make another cameo because he doesn't you can't you can't escape him, as right. they say about Cedric Wallins. Yeah. You can't escape you Ryan really McKenna. You can't either. escape Ryan. You really, you really can't because Brandon Hyde seems to be infatuated with the way he plays. So that's that's I guess good for Ryan McKenna. But my final question for you here is. You have a Lamar meter behind you, and I, I don't know if you were aware of what that was, but it was the percent chance that Lamar Jackson would play for the team in twenty twenty three. What's okay. your percent chance that Jackson Holiday makes an appearance for the Orioles this year? Should I use the Lamar
3: Lamar? Ah, you can do Lamar whatever you'd like. I,
0: I just yeah, you can do whatever you'd like. You're putting it at zero. Wow. That's that's about one point two. Oh, well, okay, one point two. Got it. It's a little above the
1: zero line. Um I, I don't see it happening. I think the Orioles. Infi- I think if we see another infielder get called up, it's going to be Joey Ortiz. And if it's not Joey okay. Ortiz, it's going to be Connor Norby. Okay. I don't think we see Holiday yet. Um, now, if if we were still starting Jorge Mateo at shortstop every day and Gunnar Henderson was your third baseman and Jordan Westberg was out of the picture, yeah. Adam Frazier was out of the picture, Ramona yeah. Rios was out of the picture, yeah, I'm probably clamoring for Jackson Holiday. Yeah. But right now, I don't see any reason to rush him. I do think he'll get right. the bump up to AAA, but um, I, I'm not.
0: I I don't think it's likely that we see him this year. It's been a lot more media coverage than I ever could have predicted on on this topic. Like, ever could have predicted. It's been actually legitimately talked about, where there are people within real organizations who are saying, and they're not just fans, they're saying, this is a possibility. Shocking to me. But I'm I'm with you. I'm at like 1.2%. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> it's it's. I'm not gonna say it's n- not happening, but right. I'm just that's, not gonna that's say. That's why I left it just barely above the zero. Fair, fair
1: enough. But um, yeah, I I don't see it happening. This is not a situation where the Orioles need him. They don't honestly. desperately need him.
0: I'm not clamoring for it. Like I I was clamoring for Gunnar Henderson last year. Yeah, I was clamoring for Adley Rutschman last year. I'm not clamoring right now for him because no. I think they have good options and I think what they have is working. At least now. I agree. Now.
1: Yeah, Westberg has been excellent. Gunnar's not gonna go anywhere. Bar, barring an injury, I mean, you're keeping Mateo on the roster to play a, maybe a Terrence Gore-type role in the playoffs. I know I've said that a couple times before, yep. but um, there's value in that. Adam Frazier's not going anywhere. He's no. been hitting well lately. No. Ramona Rios won a gold glove last year. He's not going yep. anywhere. That's five guys, not, not counting your first baseman, who are already on the roster no on doubt. the infield. No doubt. So, you know, I think we could see a return of Joey Ortiz at some point. I sure. love Joey Ortiz. I think
0: Norby would be next in line. Yep. I, don't, I don't see Holiday this year. I'm totally with you. Now we're gonna catch a third break. When we come back, we'll close things out here on the batter round.
4: America's biggest bike race returns to Maryland Sunday, September 3rd, as 120 of the world's best cyclists race the Maryland Cycling Classic, presented by United Healthcare. Come enjoy the free fan zones and festival with interactives, food and drink beginning at noon. Then see the exciting race conclusion from 3 to 5 p.m. in the Inner Harbor. Come be loud, be proud, and let the world hear you. For more information, go to Maryland
8: It's game on every day at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Here, you are in on every play with 100-foot screens at Sports and Social, the best table games action, and FanDuel Sportsbook all just steps away. The best bar bites and drinks to indulge in steaks and curated cocktails. Your game day only gets better when matched up with Live's distinguished dining options. Late game? No problem. Our luxury hotel awaits. Live Casino and Hotel Maryland is the place to be on game day and every day. For more information, visit www.maryland.livecasino.com. At Arundel Mills. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER.
7: Catch that festival feeling in Charm City. Everywhere you go, you'll find exciting entertainment, delicious eats, and endless summertime fun. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards. Pick crabs by the waterfront. Beat the heat inside a world-class museum. And make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. Maryland drivers, did you know you can save up to 77% on tolls with an EasyPass Maryland discount plan? That's right, 77%. It's never been easy. Pick the plan that's right for you at driveezmd.com. We'll keep you moving.
6: Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. It's the return of Grateful Dead Night on Friday the 18th. A special t-shirt package is available. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday the 19th with our Baytoberfest. Get some beer specials while you enjoy the game. And get here early on Sunday for a pregame meet-the-team autograph session. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox. Let us be your nine-inning vacation.
8: The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka dives into what's next for Lamar Jackson after receiving one of the biggest contracts in football history. Is Lamar ready to take the Ravens to the next level, now with a new offensive coordinator and new wide receivers? Also inside, we look at what new football coaches Brian Newberry and Pete Shinnick bring to Navy and Towson, respectively. And we meet players from the college football and soccer programs around the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the Entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and SERPs at PressBoxOnline.com.
0: Welcome back to the Bat Around. We're here in the third hour and just about to close things out. But before we let you go, Pressbox is Glenn Clark Radio. It's the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch every week show weekday from ten to noon at YouTube.com/PressboxOnline or Facebook.com/PressboxSports or listen at PressboxOnline.com/radio. With podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts, because you never know who might pop up on GCR. This guy this week, the guy's caught up with former ravens defensive coordinator chuck pagano 1983 orioles world series hero disco dan ford and navy football coach brian newberry you can find those interviews and more right now in the glenn clark radio Week in review feature at Pressboxonline.com. online.com now I, I told ryan in the break that i've made an executive decision um since i i guess i get to be the executive decision maker yeah. as paul always it's, likes to. not me paul always likes to say that on the show so i'm, I'm gonna use it too uh I'm not going to do Take the Rake without Paul because Paul loves Take the Rake. This is probably one of his favorite parts of the show, and I feel like with him not here and with him having a, a family issue that I don't, I'm don't. i not going to bother him. I'm not going to call him or text him and ask him when yeah. he's got more important things to worry about. So with Paul not here, I think we're going to skip Take the Rake, and what we're going to do is we're going to have the stats from last week. Instead of being a one-stat week, we're going to do a 2 that week. I guess that makes sense? That doesn't really make sense. We're going to do we're going to we're, yeah. we're going to two weeks of the batter on. That's be, or, uh, take the rake Excuse yeah, me. sure. My my oh my run. Uh, this is I'm struggling here. That's awesome. Um we're going to do two weeks uh, of Take to Rig, and whatever the numbers are then at the end of next week's show, that's what we're going to go off of. So I think that's fair. Unfortunately, Ryan, I'm, I, you can you can pick a guy if you'd like. I mean, I, I'd be happy to let you pick a guy. We can we can adjust the numbers um, if you'd like to do that.
1: Pro-rate it a little bit?
0: Yeah, so we can just add in the numbers from last week and, and say you picked him last week. I, I'm completely fine with that. I'm sure Paul wouldn't care as well, because Paul always says you're a part of the show. So I
1: also I also don't know who was picked last
3: week. Well, I'm going to tell you. So,
0: so oh, I, okay. t- I took Ryan okay. Uh, Brent took... It was uh, Brent Harris from WBAL. He yeah. took Jordan Westberg, and then Paul took uh Cedric Mullins. So you have Gunnar Henderson available, you have Adley Rutchman available, a number of guys. Ryan okay. uh, Ryan Malcastle, though, who's probably I think would have won if we had done this. Well Toronto comes to town this week, so Toronto does come uh,
1: you got a shot. Yeah. Um yeah, Blue Jays won against the Rockies, finished up against A's. Um give me give me Adley.
0: Take Adley. Okay. I don't think
1: I've ever taken Adley on the show. I don't like going chalk.
0: <laughs> we used to take like every week it'd be earlier in the season it would be Henderson and Rudgman. Like yeah. a- every week. But you're gonna add it in. So we'll, we'll just do that. I'll let Paul know of the uh, decision we made and, and it'll make sense. And again, I, I don't want to do it without him because he, he truly loves this part of the show. So yeah. and he is the reigning two-time champion, by the way. And he he, he loves to uh to remind me of that. So uh-huh. <laughs> he'll he'll be happy to see that we didn't pick without him so he doesn't lose a, a week in the standings. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much for being here. How can people follow you? What do you got going on right now? Oh, man, I'm on Twitter at RyguyBlake and at OriolesFanRyan.
1: Uh, I have a podcast with Paul. We haven't done it in a while. I okay. had, had a lot going on in my personal life, uh, planning a wedding, new jobs, a bunch of stuff. Uh, but that podcast will be back. It's called Give That Fan a Podcast. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts, also on utahstreetreport.com and YouTube. Um, other than that, just hanging out, man.
0: Well, thanks for again thanks for filling in Saturdays are tough and, and you came in on very last minute's notice uh, I apologize to everyone about the tech issues again this was a complete last minute change so uh, you know we, we we did the best we could today and uh, we unfortunately we couldn't fix some of them that are probably not really on our end and out of our control so thanks for everyone for for being patient with us and staying with us did you not want to talk Ravens Oh, we can talk Ravens if you like. That's I just didn't want. So sure, I, I, I don't know.
1: I don't know the game of football the way I know, like the intricacies of football the way I do. Baseball. We can do five minutes on the Ravens. Fine, I got no problem I'm with that. fine to give some opinions. Sure, I just don't like. I don't know like schemes. You know what I mean?
0: Ravens go into Washington on Monday night. I will be there. My second straight. I went to last week's preseason game. Nice. Uh, and then my girlfriend's dad bought us tickets to Monday's game. So. I guess if you're into preseason, <laughs> you're, yeah, you're, hey. you're living the life right now. I I love any football I can get. I'm just about as big into football as I am at baseball. I, I didn't try to work in it or anything like I did with baseball, but right. um, it's still one of my best favorite things in, in life is, is oh, football sure. and Ravens football. So I'm excited to see what, what the Commanders have, and I, I do want to see a little more of Sam Howell now that he is the, the starting quarterback for the Sam Commanders. and um, I, I still hate the name still hate the stadium not looking forward to being uh in fedex field on monday night but terrible stadium they should go back to the football team washington football team was it was perfect who are your give me three guys that you're interested in you don't have to do this you know i'll do it i'll 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 try Give give me three guys you're really interested in watching on monday night and i'll give you my three as well okay uh zay flowers Okay. is one for me for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely, definitely.
1: Um, I think he's going to have a, a more expanded role. I think he only had okay. one touch in the, the Eagles he had, game. He had
0: one touch, but an incredible juke move, got past a guy, yeah. yeah, one touch.
1: Uh, so give me Zay Flowers. Okay. Um, I think got to be Clowney. The, the new, I don't know if he's going to play. Uh, he hasn't practiced
0: with the Ravens I yet. Would, I would think he would, because it's hard to get a guy ready for week one if he doesn't play yeah. or practice at all before that. I, I would have to think he gets a, at least a, a run. And Oj- I think Ojabo played last week. So if you're counting on Ojabo as a starter and Clowney is another starter, then I would assume he'd play.
1: Okay. So Zay Flowers, Clowney. Okay. And um, with the the injury to Marlon Humphrey, I I'm really interested to see how Brandon Stevens. Because um, mm. I, I don't know. I don't know what the Ravens are planning on doing with him in terms of his role. Yeah. I know he's been kind of slot corner, a little bit of safety. Okay. Uh, but aside from that, I, I think, you know, we need a guy like him to step up. Okay. If we're going to be without Marlon for two weeks of the season, even maybe more than that. Yeah. Um. So the cornerback group as a whole, but specifically Brandon Stevens.
0: Okay. Keaton Mitchell's my number one guy. I, I don't love, know who that is. Okay, he's <laughs> he's the running back undrafted out of ECU. Okay. Um, and if you saw him last week, I don't know if you got to catch the game or not, but the best speed on the team. He's faster than Lamar. He's faster than Zay Flowers. This kid okay. is the fastest guy on this team, and he's unbelievably quick. Um, I'm not sure what he lo- looks like as a pass catcher. I saw him drop a pass at practice this week. They live-streamed them. I, I watched them because I'm a weirdo. Um, Glenn, Glenn Clark would absolutely yell at me for watching ravens practices online but i did that anyway um because he has before i, I told him I, I one time went to a practice and he just ambushed me on the show for about an hour oh, man. <laughs> for going to a ravens practice because he, he's not a fan anyway i respect his opinion on that yeah, but keaton sure. mitchell incredibly quick smaller guy uh kind of like that justice hill type of guy darren sproles type of guy the, the little guy who you know probably is going to have a role in special teams i really want him to make the team had a great game last week want to see him again Keaton Mitchell, Ronald Darby is another guy. Ronald Darby yeah. comes in, and probably is cornerback one for week one, which is incredibly scary. So I want to see a lot <laughs> yes. of that, and then I, I want to see Kayvon Seymour. I think Seymour is is better than Stevens. I think he is by a little bit. I, I truly have a thing against Brandon Stevens. I just don't think he's very good. No, I don't. I don't either. That,
1: I, I which just is why think, I'm curious to yeah. see
0: how he does this week. That's no, fair, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to replicate. So Ronald Darby and uh, Kayvon Seymour are, sure. the, are two corners that are going to be your starters week one. And most likely, unless Rocky Singh comes back, which is possible. But I think that's more than likely the scenario with, with Marlon Humphrey out for two or three weeks. Those are the guys that I really want to focus on and and hopefully they uh they can cover the the commander's wide receivers because certainly when it comes to Jamar Chase in week two and the Bengals, it's gonna be a lot more of a handful. Yeah. So I'm yeah, I'm a little worried. I'm a little scared. I, I, I think the to. Ravens really need to figure out corner. Yeah. I'm also curious to see uh, Ojabo and Odafe no, oh, no, and how they definitely. do behind Clowney. I think that'll, that'll, I, that'll tell a lot. I really want to see Odell play. I'm so excited to have Odell as a Raven. Me too. I, I hope I'm not getting too excited and then Odell goes down week one with an injury. Like I, That would be the worst thing ever. And but Bateman, I, Bateman's back at practice too. Bateman's back the, at practice, the,
1: yeah. The offense could be nasty.
0: I mean, they have legitimately four great wide receivers. Are you including Andrews in that? No, I'm 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 saying Nelson Aguilar in that. I think oh, Nelson he, I think okay. Nelson Aguilar is a very viable starting receiver option. Interesting. Um okay. I the more I've seen of him and, and I I watched a little bit of him the past few years with the Eagles and, and all the other he's been around. Uh Patriots, he's been on at this point. He's been he's been around. And and I always think he's a pretty solid receiver. Doesn't have the best hands, but he's very athletic and gets open. And that's what the Ravens need. I, I'm very much fine with Aguilar as a three or a
1: four. Yeah. But I, I'm terrified. I I should say I would be terrified if
0: injuries force us into a situation like where (sighs) Kamar Aiken wide receiver one. Yeah, wide receiver one would be a different story. I don't think he's – I think he's a starting receiver, but more as like a wide receiver three. He's a good complimentary guy. Yes, good complimentary guy, but he's not Odell and he's not Zay Flowers. Those guys are are your two starters. Rashad Bateman's going to play a lot, and I think think him and Odell are kind of going to – Switch off roles, probably be on the outside, and then maybe Zay Flowers plays a little slot. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but we'll definitely see what happens here in the next few weeks. Uh, and let's just hope the Ravens start off week one with a win against the Texans, go against the Bengals week two. That's going to be tough. They've got to figure a corner out. That's my number one priority. Yeah. Anything else you have, Ryan? Final thoughts? Zay Flowers, uh, Monday night. 75 yards and it's oh good all right i i hope that happens with josh johnson as the quarterback tyler huntley will not play so oh, i didn't know that ryan Never once, mind. once again thank you so much for being here last minute notice uh great time doing the show with you as always um and yeah well let, let's hope that you unfortunately uh, do not have to to fill in for us any more weeks as, yeah. as things are okay with paul's family we, we hope and uh yeah i i uh i really thank you for coming in uh, happy to do it in, until next week i was gonna be here anyway but yeah you're, you're gonna be here anyway for the second just, hour but you know, whole thing and okay. good luck with what we got going on today i know you got a pretty significant life uh thing going on today so good luck with that thank you appreciate it uh until next week see ya